slip. Yeah, Curtis had warned us he would be not be able to be here for two weeks. So this is week two without Curtis. All right, looks like we're getting ready to go live here. The, the light is green on YouTube. All right, what's going on, everybody out there on the worldwide internets? Coco Talk episode 70 is going to do it live in three, two, This is Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. Streaming live on YouTube and Roku, available as a podcast and enjoyed the world over. And now, here's your host. All right, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to Coco Talk, episode 71, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer let alone the only live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. But who's counting? And Paul Fiscarelli has just gotten here. James Jones is in the live chat. Hello, everybody. We're here. We're on a Saturday. We are surrounded by a bunch of good-looking people. And then there's me. But let's see who's in the room with us today. Who's on the panel? We have international celebrity, voice actor, artiste extraordinaire, and um, a guy who just makes Bruce Moore look uh, like he knows what he's doing. We're talking about Jacob Morris with us live on the program. Hey, good afternoon, Jacob. How are you? Hey, I'm good. Good eye. And then we have that no talent hack parent of his, D. Bruce Morris with us. Hey, Bruce. <laughs> Jacob's dad. Jacob's dad. Yes, yes. <laughs> when Jacob's old enough to drive himself around, he won't need you anymore. So. <laughs> And then we have with us from sunny Arizona, where you can cook an egg in less than five minutes on a sidewalk. Mr. Ron Delvo is with yes, us. Yes, sir. Cookies on the dash. Cookies on the dashboard. Yes, sir. We have with us, uh, getting ready for his sister's wedding, but still committed to the show. And thankfully, no Apple II in the background this time. Mark D. Overholzer is with us. Actually, it's my daughter. Your daughter. Your daughter. Doing, your doing flowers in the back. Yes. Daughter, sister, wife, one of these things. It's your wife's wedding, right? Is your wife getting married? <laughs> All right. So we we also have with us, I don't know if he's on a bicycle, if he's on a, an assignment somewhere in uh, Afghanistan, but Jason Reichert is with us, our traveling correspondent. Hey, Jason. Hey, everybody. Where are you today, Jason? Nigeria. Uh, I'm at home, just uh, just resolving a couple technical difficulties. All right, sounds good. You got that new um, got that new boomerang webcam, I see, huh? All right, <laughs> we have a special guest with us. Since Curtis Boyle could not be here, we couldn't have one of our regular Canadians. We've got our stand-in stunt double Canadian, Bill Noble. How's it going, eh? Oh, pretty good, pretty good. All right, co-creator of Nitrous Nine. Maker of all fine things for the Roger Taylor production products, all kinds of good stuff. Um, we have another foreigner on the show right now. We have from Down Under, the creator of Funstar on OS9, available in ROM cartridge. We have Nicholas Morentes. Good day, Nick. Good day, everyone. He fit uh, everything in there, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> yes, we did. <laughs> Nick, Nick is here. He's with us. We also have with us The Fly. We have Seth Brendel. Brendel Fly is with us. Mr. James Diffendaffer with his uh, Rorschach test, whatever's going on there. <laughs> it's a Mandelbrot. <laughs> and Mandelbrot. Okay. He, he looks like somebody, it looks like somebody squished a bug. 
on a uh, index card. Well, so. you can only do so much with two colors. <laughs> we have us right now in the middle of a high-speed chase, avoiding and evading law enforcement. Grant Leedy is driving for his life right now. I wish I had sirens in my in my soundboard. I got to get that next for all since we have so many people on the road. Woo, woo, woo. Grant Lady, how are you? I think Pull he's been over. pulled over. It looks stationary. Hmm. On oh, Retro Innovations has joined us, and Retro Innovations says, "I am preparing for this train wreck of a show." All right. Well, we get the we got the train rolling. And as we're playing Hollywood Squares here, center square for the win, Brian Wessler is with us. Am I saying your name right, Brian? Uh, Weasler. 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 You corrected me once before, and I'm never going to get it right. Brian Weasler is with us. Hey, Brian. Welcome to the show. And welcome to all those of all bleh, to those of you who are watching us. We are streaming live. Uh, Ron, can you confirm if we are on the Roku or not? Uh, we are not. As far as uh, I can see, let me well, push the magic button here. All right, Nick Marota is here. Hey, everybody, say hi to Nick Marota. Hi, Nick. Hey, Nick. I lied. We are on. We are on Roku. So yeah, we are streaming live. Of the primary source for this is on YouTube, but we are multi-streaming to the multiverse, so you can also see us on mixer you can see us on twitch you can now also see us on uh freaking periscope which is how twitter does live streaming and now too we are have been on for quite some time now roku uh coco tv channel on roku streaming live so uh ken reichert just made us to the live chat screaming live is what james jones says yes yeah, so we are multi-streaming to the multiverse, so this train wreck is on uh, multiple channels, multiple airwaves, through multiple dimensions. So if you have any type of phase particle uh, situation, you can catch us wherever you transmorph to. So we're here. We are in episode 71, and hopefully our, um, our video game uh, aficionado, Steve Bjork, will be joining us soon. But we have, we have uh, scheduled to air today Assembly Language Part 6 in our ongoing series. And um, fill in for them. You got the slides, right? I have the slides. I have no idea what I'm talking about. So uh, that's no different than. Uh... Yes, 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 yes. Hey, so Stevie, it's... How, it's, how have we been doing with um, our broadcast? Like, are we way over ten thousand now? Or uh, hold on, hold on. I have those numbers somewhere. I think it's slightly over ten thousand. Ten thousand on on the um, on the podcast. We're at ten thousand seven hundred right now so um so it hasn't quite been a month we we average about a thousand per month i think right uh, on podcast consumption so we're, we're we're kind of on par there so yep hey tim franklin is here hey tim and uh tim's here tim says i'm back welcome back tim so what's been going on this week i know we got news to talk about i got news articles queued up and everything but what about you guys here in the panel how has your week been anything interesting Going on with your projects and your retro hobbies? Anything you came across that you thought was interesting? Anyone? Anyone? Uh, <clears throat> well, I upgraded my S SDCX ah. card to version 5.0. Has everybody done that? No, I have not. They put on the... Um, now I can do internet and I can do all kinds of things now with my... <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> no. 
<laughs> oh, okay. I'm like, wow, that's that's quite the that's update. Quite an upgrade, huh? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Mark Siegel has just joined us. Hey, Mark, how are you? Uh, so, what is new? No, I have not done that, but I I, I need to. Yeah, I don't think it's really pressing or anything but there are a couple fixes you put in there okay that's yeah. pr probably an excuse to make another how-to video i haven't done a coco how-to video in a while so as i do it i should probably record it for posterior's sake uh coco sdc update to dot 50 for those of you who are in no um so it's your sister who's getting married mark no my mom? daughter Dang it! It's a female. It's a female relative. I keep yes, screwing this up. Female relative. All right, female so relative. it's your daughter is getting married. Okay. Yes. All right. And is this uh, first marriage for daughter? Yes, it is. She's only so, twenty-two. Oh wow, that's young. Yeah, wow. it is. But obviously, she knows what she's doing, right? Seems like it. So I'm willing to go with it. <laughs> wow. Are we going to have a Coco Talk wedding after dark? Uh, maybe who knows? Uh, no, she's, she's a very, she's a very directed girl. She's plans out well, so I, I have no good. fear that she's you know just jumping in. There you go, there you go. Listen, if you already if you already know what you want in life and you're able to get on the road sooner than others, then God bless you. You know, I'm still trying yeah, to figure things out. So, me too. Ah, uh, well, uh, yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jason, the Cocoa Man Riker, anything new with you? No, no. I, I've uh, been quite busy with other things, and I'm just trying to keep uh, I'm just trying to keep everything straight here and not get confused about who's getting married. There you go. So it is it is Mark Overholzer's daughter, not his sister. Not his yes. wife. Not his wife. Okay. <laughs> so it's Mark's daughter. Okay, there we go. We have that. And um, I'm just checking real quick. Yes. Okay. So we do have we do have the official update and announcement that we'll be talking about Tandy Assembly uh, a little bit later on in the program. All right. So everybody's clear that it is Mark Overholzer's daughter who's getting married, not his sister, not his wife, and not his mother. Right. Hmm. Um, so we're good there. And uh, Bill Noble, how's it going? Hey, eh? we haven't heard from you in a while. Everything going good? Oh yeah, everything's going really good. Yeah, I actually did get a good breakthrough this uh, week on OS 9 for its uh, boot process for getting GraphDrive started. Okay. It actually uh, allows you to have an extra 16K or on a 6809 machine for boot file. Okay. Or on 309, an extra 8K in your boot files. Wow. So, so you're, how, how is it that you have more memory on a 6809 than on a 6309? Well, 6809 version of OS 9 or Nitrous 9 now, uh, the GraphDrive module is 16K in size. Okay. Or that it is allocated in memory, even though it's just over 8K. Okay. But on a 6309, it's still under the 8K limit. Oh, and no matter what you do, it's everything's going to take up an 8K block because that's what the MMU does, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, but the whole purpose, if I recall, let's see if I was paying attention and if I have any type of retention <laughs> here. Um, the whole idea here was in order to get this stuff to load at boot time, you had to squeeze it into a certain size or it would just shit the bed, pardon my yes. expression, because it was too big, right? So, and you yes. have now compacted it to a point where it will load. And, and one of the challenges was on the 6809 because it's 
doesn't have the uh, optimizations of the 6309 version. It was a bigger piece of code, ate up more memory. It was harder to load, yes. right? So you have somehow now yes. worked through sorcery. And in sorcery yes. and black well, magic, you have made this happen. Yeah, basically when, when Microware created OS9 on the Coco, GraphDriv was actually being mapped into the system space for a split second before it moved, got moved out to its own task. Okay. So it actually took that 16K away from your boot process. Okay. And that only happened for a split second. So this was why there's, I wouldn't say really is a bug, but an annoyance with yeah. OS 9 since the beginning. <laughs> okay. So can and you fix that for the 6809 as well? Is yes. It that? is now actually fixed for the 6809, the 6309, and also the 6309 version of the code has also been expanded, so it can also handle a 16K graph grip if it ever gets that far. Can I ask a really dumb question? Now, when you're doing the 6809 version, this is still there's still a level two for this. It runs on a Coco three, right? Mm -hmm. Right? Is yes. there? Yeah. Um, I I don't know. I just I, I don't understand the the need now to spend all this time to maintain two versions and and maintain that other version, especially now with 6309s are so common and so cheap. Does it make sense to keep maintaining that old version? Uh, well, the code that I've actually changed is from the actual repo anyway, which has got it all embedded in the, the actual source code, mm -hmm. which is switching between the two. So I never bothered ripping any of that stuff out. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I know Nick Morentes was talking about, you know, his, his, he's now just going to support 6309 on his, on his new game. It's like, why bother having to write the software to do different things under different conditions? Just do it this way and, and nitros yeah. 9 is meant to be a 6309 uh application anyway isn't it we're sort of going yeah. backwards with it yeah well in, in this particular we're, case like i said we're the denitrosizing it. yeah it's built for both also when you actually build the source code it builds both versions oh well it's good for the so guy that doesn't I, have the money to or time to upgrade his cocoa and he's still sitting there with his yeah yeah i mean it's it's nice that you're doing it but it just seems now too at this point that it seems like it's a lot of work to maintain the different yeah. versions well i agree with nick too like uh, nitrous 9 was meant for 6309 so yeah. why is it still being supported on 6809 right right you know i mean at this point if you're <laughs> if somebody's die hard enough to, to run a 30 year old operating system uh, then, you know, get off the pot and just put a socket in your damn computer. If you don't know how to do it, call up Boyce on Tech, have him do it. Um, but, yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. I mean, listen, the fact that people are doing it and giving the luxury to, to people to have, you know, the ability to still run it, but it, to me it just seems like a lot of work. Um, but that's cool. That's good news. Good news. More and more progress going on. Uh, Grant Leedy. Uh, evading law enforcement as we speak. Looks like he's doing uh, 88 miles per hour. He's just about ready to travel through time there in his DeLorean. What's going on, Grant? Hey, not much. Just getting ready for BCF and uh, ready for a good time at that show. There you go. And Al Hartman has joined us in the live chat. Hey, Al Hartman in New Jersey. Uh, we got two guys in New Jersey, Tom C. and Al Hartman. So, you know, we're covering all the continents here. 
Uh, good stuff. Uh, who have I missed here? James Diffendaff, or anything new and exciting with you this week? Oh, Must be a train. Really. I'm just, uh, I've just been making some blog posts showing different code between different processors and stuff like that. And huh. I've had a whopping eight views or something like that, you know. It's hmm. exciting to about 1% of the population. Right. Nothing, nothing real interesting. Uh, <laughs> way, to, uh, way to sell it there, James. <laughs> yeah, um, the, um, that mantle brought that the giant bug that is my uh, um, picture there, uh, that takes 12 plus hours to render on a Cocoa 3 in high speed mode without uh, any patches to the ROM. So uh, I just thought I'd share that and then one of these days I'll get around to benchmarking it against you know with uh, patch drawn so you're saying this thing that looks like somebody squished a bug on a piece of cardboard took 12 hours for the Coco 3 to render it took 12 hours to 12 hours 12 hours all right so every pixel there was painstakingly sweated over by your Coco 3 so we must appreciate all these pixels here because all the hard work that went into them uh, I don't know if you should appreciate it. It's, it's, it's kind of ugly, but it's a it's one of those real world things that uh, I came up with a test for. You know how the much of a difference the patch would make. And, yeah, and yeah. The, so yeah, and uh, the patch I've already done, I think, should cut it by about twenty six percent off of that. So you'd still be going all day, but. Right. Uh, Alexander Wallace has joined us. Hello, Alexander. And James Jones is asking, what is this written in? Because you're talking about patches, we have to assume this is written in that, basic. Okay, that is written in basic. And uh, I have I have a version of the code that I was going to post to my blog. But in Microsoft Infinite Wisdom, the actual version of that rendered that uh, was destroyed by Microsoft deciding to reboot my machine overnight. Mm. Oh. <laughs> ah. So I've got to recreate it, but uh, mm. it's it's a min minor work if I don't decide to completely rage quit the project anyway. <laughs> That's right. Listen, I've I've cornered the market on rage quitting, so you need to <laughs> you, you need to run that by me first before any, all, all rage quits must be approved by upper management. So uh. <laughs> uh, my Coco um, was able to render this picture of me in uh, one billionth of a second <laughs> <laughs> and it has the same squishy look <laughs> yeah <laughs> looks like somebody uh did a uh, ink blot of uh, al pacino there so <laughs> yeah <laughs> hey jonathan farmwald one of our minecraft friends has just popped in and said hi hey jonathan how are you um cool stuff cool stuff all right, well, we got, a, we got an action-packed show uh, ahead of you, uh, as I say, wondering what this show is going to contain because I have no idea. But, yeah, let's, uh, let's, let's err on the side of, uh, of uh, optimism to say it's going to be a great show today. This one's going to be good. I can feel it. 
right. and we have we have uh, seventeen people seventeen people watching us live out there in the multiverse. How about let's take a quick moment to acknowledge some of our sponsors. We'll take a commercial break and then we'll get back. Still haven't heard from um, Steve Bjork yet, so hopefully he'll be joining us in a little bit. If not, we can always delay um, the um, assembly segment. But this is where we talk about the people who have been creating products for our community. And we want to recognize and acknowledge many of our great community contributors so we'll start in reverse order how about ed snyder in the zipster zone z-i-p-p-s-t-e-r zone.com so for the longest time you know you know if you wanted to figure out what ed had available or how to order a product from ed well you either had to message him or email him or paypal him but now you can just go to the zipster zone.com and check out all the great products like the coco sdc uh the super what is his sound card called is it's uh PSG, Programmable Sound Generator. There's so many different sound cards out there. But yeah, so Ed Snyder's got his own website. Check that out. Our good friend Brian Joyce in, in, in um, Australia, Nick's neighbor of Extructus Productions, FD501.com. So Brian Joyce makes a lot of our bonus content for the show. The podcast that launched a community, the CocoCrew.org. Check out the Coco Crew podcast. There's 38 episodes right now. If you haven't heard them all, you got a lot of binging to catch up on. Available wherever free podcasts are sold and also online at CocoCrew.org. Our show, Coco Talk. If you want to find out um, all about us and how to reach us, you can go to CocoTalk.live. That is our website. That's an actual thing, like a .com. It's .live. So go to CocoTalk.live for ways to reach out to the show and send us feedback. Uh, I'm a CocoNut.com. I've probably got things I need to update there, like adding Diego's website to it. But that's a website I have that's meant to be a resource for color computer things. Um, so, uh, check that one out. If you want to get some cool cocoa merchandise and help support our endeavors, you can always go to our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com for t-shirts, coffee mugs, and mouse pads. Let's not forget we are live on Roku streaming on the cocoa TV channel. Thank you to Roger Taylor, uh, Jason Reichert, our very own uh, panel member here, Jason Reichard, maker of the Switcheroo, the hottest selling hardware product since the Color Computer 3, uh, available at CocoMan.biz and uh, Coco3SCARTCable.com. Another cool project is the SDPack.com um, website. shows you how to make an auto-booting SD card. I'm getting some feedback or sound noise somewhere. I don't know where the hell that's coming from. Uh, maybe it's Grant. Uh, 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 hold on. Houston. Houston to Tower. Houston to Tower. Come in. All right. So check out sdpack.com. Cloud9 Technologies, maker of fine color computer hardware and accessories for over two decades. Cloud, the number nine tech.com. Jim Brain and Retro Innovations, not just Cocoa products, but products for your uh, Commodore and Texas Instrument Machines as well. So it's go, the number four, retro.com. Richard Lorbieski and Boisson Technology, the maker of the Boomerang. Uh, the creator of Boomerang Mania, the latest Cocoa edition to uh, catch the world by storm at Boyson Tech, B-O-Y-S-O-N, tech.com. Last but not least, Brendan Donahue's project, CocoVGA.com. Cool way to add VGA modern outputs to your color computer 1 and 2 and Dragon. Check that out. All right, we're going to go ahead and run a commercial, and we'll be back. Tom C. has just joined us. Hey, Tom C. from Jersey, and we'll be back in just a little bit, folks. Hi, this is Sean Wheatley, and you're listening to Coco Talk with the original gamer, Stevie Stroke. We'll return after these messages. 
Bruce Moore, and this is Jacob Moore. Jacob Moore, gotcha. And we are the Forest of Doom guys, and the Coco Forever guys, and we are Coco Fest, and we love Stevie Strobe. What if, knowing what I know now, I could go back in time, join Tandy Corporation, and change the course of history. Coco forever. Hey, what's going on, everybody? It's me. It's Original Gamer Stevie Stroh. You know, gameplay. To get your copy of a Gameplay Goodness gameplay. Color Computer Gaming DVD today, gameplay. head on over to 8bit256.com. There you will find several DVDs featuring Color Computer Gameplay videos by the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh. So to get your very own copy of a Gameplay Goodness Color Computer Gaming DVD, head on over to the Retro Swag Shop at 8bit256.com and tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Radio Shack TRS-80 put the world of color computing into your home. Instant loading program packs turn any color TV into an exciting game arcade. And there's more. The color computer is an educational aid, a home management tool, and up-to-the-minute electronic information service. The programmable, expandable TRS-80 color computer from $399 only at Radio Shack, the biggest name in little computers. I'll return you to Coco Talk. I always miss that when the speech sound pack's coming back here. I get a little trigger happy when I just switch back to the scene. Alright, Nick Marota's back. Tom C is here. I'm hearing some feedback. Where is it coming from? Grant, is that you? No, I'm right here. It's Greg. Is it Greg? Frickin' Greg. Uh, I'm muted. Testes one two, okay. So the uh, feedback is gone. Greg, it was you. All right, it's all good. We love you, anyways. Bless his heart, that little Grant. Bless his heart. <laughs> well, we're back. So what's the topic today, guys? <laughs> Nick Marota. Nick Marota. Nick Marota. Nick Marota. And we I wonder, how, I wonder how Funstar's doing. Funstar was available on ROM cartridge. That was eons ago. Have you not obtained your oh. Funstar ROM cartridge? No, I haven't. Here was a limited run. <laughs> very, very limited. Very limited. <laughs> <laughs> limited to the commercial. All right. So, what about you guys out there um, watching us live? What's uh, what are the people on YouTube right now up to this week? Anything new and exciting you guys, our viewers, have going on with you? We got some news queued up. We'll get into the news in a little bit. We've got a why did Tandy do that segment, right? Do we um, do we want to jump in to get an early start on why did Tandy do that? There's no reason why we can't break because form it was here. Cheap. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Why did they... Spoiler alert because they were cheap. SOBs. <laughs> you can capture the market or you can market it cheap. <laughs> so who is going to be um, 
Who's going to be spearheading this one? Is it uh, Ron Delvo? Are you going to be leading with this? Uh, Ron has a topic here. Yeah. All right. So we're gonna we're gonna switch to the make it big here. All right. Well, let's queue up our infographic here. And um, oh, by the way, I need to let I need to talk to Brian Joyce about this. But um, so now that I've switched over to um, to this YouTube channel here, my OG channel, which happens to be monetized. And so now um, YouTube scrutinizes everything. So, you know, our why did David Ladd segments? Why did what did, what did David break this week? Mm-hmm. That little musical number apparently is copyright. And now oh. I got a copyright flag from last week's episode for playing that. So we're going to have to figure that out because that's an important part of the show. Okay, Tim Franklin says, had open heart surgery last week. Wow. Tim, are you okay? We're glad you're here with us. Um, that's kind of like um, it's kind of like Mark Overholzer at his sister's aunt's cousin's female neighbor's wedding. Um, you know, he still was committed to being on the show. So even after your surgery, you're here. God bless you. God bless you. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and Nick Marotta says, oh, my God, copyright 1937, right? So I don't know. People find a way to copyright things. All right, so let's uh, let's cue the why did Tandy do that little infographic here, and then we're going to hear what Ron Delvaux's got right. for us this week. Well, the stupid thing didn't freaking play, so why, let me – let me, yeah, let's uh, <laughs> press the button, Frank. Tell me why. All right, Ron. All right, let's see. I need a prop here, so maybe I can find one. I'm going to dig down deep into my radio shack. Come to open your window. Oh. My radio shack uh, diskette file. Ooh, floppy file. A floppy. Classic. I'm going to ask, why did Tandy do this? Why did they put track 17 as a directory on a floppy? Didn't others put it on track zero? Why is it on tra- track 17? It's right in the uh, middle. Why? Yeah. Well, it, it, it reduces the seek time. That's right. If you have it in the middle of the um, the disk, then regardless of where the uh, the uh, the heads are of the floppy drive, it's well, the shortest path would be generally uh, would be um, if the track is in the middle. It just if it's at the very end of the disk, it only has to move to the center. Whereas if the directory track was on track zero, it would have to move the head all the way across the disk. So the center seems to be the overall shortest position for it to for it to see. Yeah, it's the tuner of the original 35 track drive. Yeah, and, and don't forget that when it loads a file, it grabs uh, it, it, the the file is not stored see, quite often is not stored sequentially on the disk um, one sector following the other sometimes so if the sectors are scattered all over the disk well their heads are moving back and forth all over the place keep it in the center it's a more central huh, central position for it to uh, access uh, sectors so yeah so and when, the, uh, uh, the DOS cannot hold all the information in memory at a time as to where that file is stored. So we'd have to seek back to the directory to find out where the next block is. Hmm. So that's why it'll go back and forth loading a really big file. So when a uh, floppy is not being used, 
Where does the head rest normally? On a pillow. Ba-dum. <laughs> <laughs> we're in last. Yeah. Yeah. Usually, the last place it was used. Yeah, it's really? it's not like a hard drive where they automatically park and go to. Okay, so my question is: Sometimes, you know, if you reset your computer, um, you always want to leave your door open so that the heads aren't on the media, so that uh, you won't get uh, your disk zapped. Is uh, explain that. I've got a train right now. Hang on. Um, <laughs> the, uh, the, um, <laughs> I knew that was coming. <laughs> um, Perfect. I've never had... <laughs> There's the other one. <laughs> I get, I get oh, every, hey, I get that every time one train passes three times because we've got three crossings within hearing range. Of <laughs> um, the... Um, I've never had trouble with that. Uh, the hardware is designed so it's not supposed to cause a problem when you reset. But um, if it were to be lying under the you know, on the directory and that were to be a problem, I mean, you you look at the um, what was it, the Coleco Atom when you turned it on, it erased the tape. Oh. Yeah, uh, it, it, that was a that was a, a design flaw, and I don't think it's part of the you know because of the controller chip and everything handling all that. I don't think it's a problem with the Coco. But I think uh, really oh. any other problem was uh, sometimes if you ran a program and it would crash your computer, you'd get the hard drive lights come on. You know. Yeah. Well, the the it, if a program the... crashes, it can write garbage over. The, the memory addresses that are uh, used to interface to the hardware. Mm -hmm. So it could write any kind of garbage to it, especially if you had the floppy drive initialized to something already. If the floppy drive's not running, it's probably not going to cause a problem, but if it's running at the time it crashes, it could obliterate a track. The mm -hmm. big problem with uh, drives getting corrupted on the Coco was actually a bug in in the uh, the DOS, if I remember right, um, and I, I remember I had a uh, program that, even though that it only used 35 tracks on the drive, you could make a copy of the directory track out on like track 36 or something like that. And I had a program that would back up the directory, and you know I I had one of the versions of DOS that caused a problem with that, and I was recovering directories. Uh, about once a month. <laughs> the, I think the later DOS has fixed that. But, you know, I, I didn't have that, so I really don't know. Uh, I, I think it's really, um, unless it, the drive is running and the program crashes and, you know, writes some garbage to the disk, I don't think it was really a problem. Well, one, one other thing that's cool is I used to use Jeff uh, Francis's um, disk utility. And um, if you were working with uh, pictures, which I have a lot of, uh, and you came with, uh, there was an error, you could skip the error, which was good because, um, well, you got to save the disk, but um, unfortunately, wherever the error was, if you show that particular picture, they had the bad spot in it, there would be missing data. <laughs> 
but at least you would save the disk, and that's what I liked about that program. I don't remember what the program was I used. It was something I typed in out of a magazine, probably Hot Cocoa. And just, just so you know, too, we had a couple of responses in the live chat from Mark Siegel. So number one, Mark was just reminding us that the track 17 was actually Microsoft's decision, not Tandy's, since Microsoft made the, oh. uh, the disk extended color basis. But, but our, our jingle which is a very catchy jingle, is always going to say Tandy. So even when we're not talking about Tandy, the jingle's always going to say Tandy. Why did they do that? Yeah, but I don't know. Tandy's, it just sounds good. It's got a nice ring to it. So, so yeah, so it was Microsoft who made the the, uh, the uh, disk extensions and, and made that decision. And he also said, Mark Siegel also said, there's no need to open the drive. The power should be off to the head. But it sounds like what you were explaining, Ron Delvo, was almost like a head crash, which was very common in early generation hard drives, too. I remember like in the old days of MS-DOS, we used to have to run a utility to park the heads um, before yeah. we shut down the machine because you wanted the spindle to spin the head all the way to the inside and put the thing down before we turned it off and transport because you were really worried about the platter shaking and the head scratching the surface and stuff. So it almost sounds like what you're explaining there by opening a door is we're preventing a head crash on the media that could corrupt a sector of the disc or whatever, right? On a floppy drive, the heads do always touch the, um, the, the disc surface anyway. Okay. So there's, there's no, there's no retraction there. Yeah. The heads are always crashed. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It just, you know, it's it's amazing when you think about all the ways things have worked on computers, starting with paper tape to then magnetic tape to floppy disks to hard disk. It's just amazing crap ever worked in the first place half the time when you think about it. So. You know, um, on the track 17 thing, and I've got another train here. Woo -hoo! Um, <laughs> the, the if you look at the Apple II, if, if you've ever seen how it responds, it ha I think it has the or had the directory on track zero originally. Yeah, and original, original Apple DOS is on track 17 also. No, it's, a, it's on track 17? Yeah, ProDOS is different because it was designed for, you know, hard disks. Hard disks, okay. Yeah, I know one of them, it spends a lot of time seeking. Isn't it the same for model one, three, and fours? Yes. Yeah. yeah Al Hartman has joined us. Hello. You can specify on certain DOSes where to put the directory. But the default was track 17, because when the Model 1 disk drives first came out, they were very slow, 35 millisecond drives. So the head would step very slowly, and they were only 35 track drives. They weren't 40 track drives until Tandy uh, went to the Tandon TM100As and their own Texas peripheral drives later. So then they were 40 track drives, and we still left the directory on track 17 because that was standard. You, you didn't want to confuse the DOS if you swapped the disk out. But there's a, um, on the Tandy DOSes for the Model 1 and the Model 3, there were, and the Model 4, there's a byte on track 0 that tells the DOS where the directory track is. And there used to be a program called Super Utility that would back up the directory also to another track. So you could do that also, which was. A good I always thing. wondered what that was for. Super, <laughs> no. Super Utility was an indispensable tool for Model One, Model Three, and Model Four, because it would repair files, it would repair directories, it would back up disks, it would format disks. It had a diagnostic program built in. 
it really was a super utility and it was a, one of the things i missed on the coco and it probably was what inspired jeff francis to write his disutility hmm so we got a couple of, I uh, just want to say real quick, we got a couple of funny comments here, especially from Ken Reichert, uh, best known as the brother of Jason Reichert. But one of, the, one of the things Ken was saying is, hey, hey, James, what track is that train on? So a little floppy humor for you there. And then the other one was, uh, pardon me, James, is that the Chattanooga choo-choo? So there we go. So uh, there's a little thing to go with the, uh, that was the, the train Union humor there. Choo-choo. Union Pacific choo-choo, huh? All right. Uh, yeah, I, I, the only thing that this discussion right now is missing is David Ladd, Lord yeah, of the Floppy. We, we have just morphed into floppy talk, and Dry David wire. is not here. Wire. <laughs> I would just like to point out that my floppy is bigger. <laughs> is that an 8-inch floppy? That's an eight, it's a, you know, you get your 5 and a quarter, and here's the 8-inch. Eight eight yeah. Listen, sometimes size matters. So... Um, <laughs> But of course, it's it's hard to get an eight and a half inch, an eight inch floppy in a five and a quarter inch slot. So um. does your head? Rest <laughs> what was that, Ron? Does your head rest on the media on an eight inch? That's a really personal question. Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's, a, it's a good question. It's pertinent to what we're talking about, is it not? Well, con uh, considering this is the only piece of eight-inch floppy technology I have that I picked up off the free table at Coco Fest, this is about as far as my knowledge goes. As <laughs> this is my this is my oversized giant novelty disc. I was no notches on the side. That's 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 the floppy no. equivalent of an eight-track. A a track. There's, a, there's a little notch down there's a couple little notches down here but in, i don't know did they have notches on the side like in a five inch right. yeah i remember though they work the opposite though uh, i i believe i believe the answer is when you've got eight inches you do whatever the hell you want so um so earlier uh, our good friend karen sixy in the uk creator of xroar by the way and many other fine dragon products but he says that on dragon dos that it's a similar thing where they're on track uh 20 which is halfway up the disc but he says uh, um um with a backup on track 16 but he never says that never really proved to be very useful so i think was microsoft involved in dragon dos or was that somebody else i don't know who did um i thought, I thought they did that themselves yeah i don't know yeah, dragon dos was not microsoft okay was, there you go so um but it sounds like they're doing a similar thing and i think the this the simple answer is is if you're in the middle you've only got to go halfway in either direction to to access either side of the disc so yeah. strategically it makes sense have you ever played racquetball run me yeah yeah well when you especially like indoor racquetball the, the best place to be is center court because again if you've got to run and chase the ball you only have to go halfway either way if you're center court you know so i guess that's the mentality of it there and <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean that uh, the dragon, if you have a dragon, you can't read a, a standard um, Tandy disc? Yeah, they're different. They're different formats. Oh, really? I didn't yeah. know that. I, th I thought they were the same. Yeah, different formats. When um, Paul Barton was making the eight meg um, upgrade for me, he was talking about how um, there's memory, and then there's video memory, and 
like there's two separate things on the memory card, which I thought was on a PC. You mean? Yeah. No, on the on the what he was making for me that you know there's um, what's it a no cam? Yeah, you know the eight megabyte. Oh, 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 because, yeah, Coco video memory for at least on the Coco 1 and 2, that all has to be in the in the bottom 16 or 32K of the of RAM, right? The VDG yeah, RAM is mapped to, to the low, to the first 16K, I think. Well, I've entered the Twilight Zone because, actually, I, I don't know what I speak of. Okay. <laughs> I'll just put it out there. Yeah, I have a, I have a vague, I think I've got a, yeah, I think I have a vague... Maybe Vic, and maybe Nick Morentes or Bill could could speak in on this. But when you've got something like, um, you know, even five twelve or two megs or eight megs, isn't the isn't the VDG RAM like with the Coco one and two? Isn't that RAM always part of the first sixty four K? On the Coco three, no, you can no, put the Coco uh, one and two. Oh, uh, one and two. Coco one and two is. That's yeah, the first 64k. That's it. Yeah, right. Yeah, so it, it didn't automatically switch out uh, the ROM either, so you couldn't have it underneath the video on RAM underneath the ROM if you were in basic. So, but on a Coco three with eight megs of memory, if you're doing Coco three graphics, can the Coco three graphics screen be relocated any, anywhere in RAM that you want it to be? Uh, the Coco Three video display is always in the uh, lower five twelve. Anywhere in the five twelve, yeah. um, the eight megabytes. Well, you can move it around in that as well. But I mean, it's it's only because it's effectively banking five twelve k around in that eight meg of RAM, isn't it? So it's in chunks, huh? Yeah, so so you can access, you can point the video RAM anywhere, but it's still being treated as a five twelve k block. Is that how it's done, or is it is it using yeah. a, a a DAC extension? It has I don't to know. Be on an even, yeah, it has to be on an even five twelve k. Yeah. Mm. Oh, I see. So you couldn't start it in the middle of some memory spot. Now, the but a Coco three graphic screen is up to thirty two k of RAM, correct? Uh, up to, yeah. you know, it actually goes up even higher if you use a full res. Um, mm. goes just beyond 32K. So does the fact that the Coco 3 has to manage MMU and 8K blocks, does that mean that a graphic screen takes up four blocks through the MMU? Uh, not part. through the MMU. Um... I mean, do you have to use it? You have to use the MMU to access anything outside of 64K, anyways, right? Yeah, because they, yeah, you have to do that. Yeah, and that MMU is always dealing in 8K blocks. Yeah, um, but the video display can, is always a contiguous 32 or up to 30, uh, 34, I think. Um, um, contiguous RAM, you know, it sits in the 512K memory space anywhere in there. The part we see, or the 6809 sees, is whatever the MMU has mapped. Um, so so it's it's the same block of memory, but it's the part that, that, that is accessible um, by the 6809 that's decided by the MMU settings. So MMU is a director. Yeah, Mark Siegel is basically saying here the MMU is used for all memory, so even the lower memory. Yeah, so you can access any part of RAM, but you you build a 64K 
address space for the 6809 based on all the uh, the blocks you choose in that 512k, 8k blocks that you choose in that 512k space. So you make up a 64k space that the 6809 can see. Starting to sound like a math equation here. Um, so <laughs> we're taking a 64k space and breaking it up in well, 8k no. blocks. Well, and <laughs> think about it. You got 512k. That's how much RAM that the Gimme chip accesses. It's 512k. Sure. Mm -hmm. Divide that, slice that up into 8k segments, equally into 8k, 8K segments. That gives you uh, what 64 blocks or up. 64 8k blocks okay. is what that 512 done. So. The MMU allows you to take those blocks and you put them in, in sequence to make 64K. Mm -hmm. And that's what the 6809 sees. So, so um, you, you can access any part of the 512, but you pick an 8K block and you decide whereabouts in that 64K area that the 6809 can see. So that's how the bank switching it's works. It's kind of panning through RAM. It's sort of panning through RAM, yeah. yeah. Clear as mud? Yeah. <laughs> okay, Mark Siegel also says the Gimme chip can have a two-layer screen, so it's much more than a 32K screen. So Can have a, what was that? A two-layer two -layer screen, so it's much more than 32K. It, it, it can take up to uh, about four and a half or so um, blocks of uh, RAM, oh, of, of eight, 8K MMU blocks of RAM, yeah. Is that so what it, double buffering is? No, no, well, double buffering is another. It's like the video display can only take up to about 30. I have to work it out. I haven't got a calculator here. <laughs> but it, if you do 225 which is the maximum vertical res, mm -hmm. multiplied by 160 bytes, mm -hmm. that's how much RAM. Hang on, I've got a calculator now. So 225 multiplied by 160 is... That's 36. 36K. 36. So that's, that's the maximum size. So it is just over 32K. That's okay. the biggest display you can allocate. And okay. that's, uh, that's four and a half or so... Uh, blocks of 8K of, of uh, MMU RAM. There you go. Is this a, uh, what they do with other PCs like uh, Commodore? And they all have the same kind of management under 64K, basically? Um, well, Commodore 64, no. This, Commodore 64 only accesses 64K, doesn't it? Yeah, well, I was just reading on the VIC chip, the VIC 2 chip for the Commodore 64. It can only do 16K at a time, so you have to have everything built in 16k and they can flip the blocks yeah it's a much simpler yeah hmm. Hmm. seems like this is was this always an issue of of an 8-bit thing where memory had to be kind of segmented and dealt with in these segments because even in the early ages of ms dos we had to deal with ram and segments well, i guess it's I guess it was, yeah. Yeah, because like the original PC, if even if you had 640K, they were 64K segments because, I yeah. guess, of the addressing about it. So It was, it was really the process of trying to be backward compatible with the 8085. Okay. 
Yeah, yeah, but and and I think what to and, and again I have I'm not the expert here, so we'll we'll defer to people like Nick and and Bill and stuff. But and I, but I think the difference between how the Coco does graphics and other things like the Commodore is that everything the Coco does is done in RAM. So when you're looking at something on the screen graphically, it's just manipulating bits and bytes of information in RAM. And so the CPU has to manipulate large blocks of RAM. With something like the Commodore and things that had sprites, and the way they did graphics was different. It wasn't bit by bit as far as how much RAM was needed to to do things. So the Commodore could probably move a larger image on screen faster than the Coco could because it didn't have to deal with every single block of of RAM that had to be moved, right? So the, the sprites are pretty small in the Commodore, but it still has bitmap graphics too. What it lets you do is player elements just are handled. They're literally done in, in hardware. Uh, there was a demo that you could type in in basic on the Commodore that would have a balloon float across the screen while you're basically mm-hmm. back. And it goes back to command prompt. You can list a program, load a program as long as you don't overwrite it. The hardware big chip keeps floating the balloon across the screen. So even when you're back in the basic prompt, the balloon's still floating? So yep. it's kind of like a T, like a TSR terminate state yep. resident program yep. that's always running. It's exactly. just horizontally yep. scrolling a sprite. Yep. yep. And to move a sprite, was it still like bit shifting? If you had to move horizontally, did you have to do bit shifting to move it that way? Or no, as I remember, you put in a bitmap graphic and then you put the point the bit chip to it and then you give it uh, basically coordinates. I think it had like move X and Y movement. So hmm. are, you, are, you, are you talking the sixty four or the Vic twenty? Uh, Vic two chip on the sixty four. Okay, well, that had hardware sprites, so all you right. had to all you had to do was update the coordinates uh, for the hardware, the where to put it on the screen. So that'd be a very small interrupt-driven program. Yep, and there were hard there were hardware interrupts available too with the sixty-five twenty-two and sixty-five twenty-six. Um, the uh, comment by Mark, he says that the Gimme chip can have a two-layer screen, so it's much more than 32K. I don't understand what he means by a two-layer screen. I think he's thinking of the Amiga. Well, that one, that one can have that had what? A dual, yeah, that had a dual. Are, are we talking about yeah. multiple page, kind of like on the Coco 1 and 2, you have multiple pages. Are we talking about more than one 32K we, we page have, of graphics? Or? Yeah, you'd either... Be talking about double buffering or a, a mm. field. I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm only aware of one uh, one actual bitmap layer, so I don't know what he means by a two yeah. layer screen. Yeah, I think he's thinking of the dual play field on the. the yeah, Amiga. on the Amiga. That, that that's a, a, a dual play field, but um, no, it's not. I designed it. He says he, he says designed not talk- two layers. Well, I mean, one thing I can say is if it has these features, then why didn't Tan- why didn't Tandy document that? <laughs> I mean, right, I mean yeah, you guys uh, are the ones who are programming this thing every day. Well, so that's right. And so I'm thinking, well, if there's two layers, why haven't it, hasn't anyone found two actual separate um, bitmap layers? Is I, this I've like the two fifty six color mode? No, I've never seen it, and people like Sockmaster would have found that. So, I mean, this Perhaps almost sounds is, like... Yeah, maybe this is a semantic issue. Maybe what he means by layers is not what we think. I think that's that's Well, that's what I'm wondering, too, yeah. Well, what does he mean by two layers? What is a layer? Is a layer, are we talking about, like, parallaxing now, foreground and background, or are we yeah, talking about exactly. pages, that's, multiple that's... graphic pages? Mark, Mark, come on here and tell us. Yeah, That's right. Yeah, yeah, we want to know. And while you're here, tell us about the 256 color mode you said uh, exists. <laughs> He says the demo with the ball used it. Which demo with the ball? Stockmasters? Because that was just all page flipping too, right? 
Yeah, yeah. That, that wasn't two layers. That was Sockmaster trickery. Yeah, that's just, uh, you're just anding and oaring with the background and stuff. Well, even my Popstar Pilot effectively has a, 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 a it looks like there's two layers. You know, the, the blue scrolling background uh, underneath the text. It looks like it, but that's all trickery. It's it's not two layers. All right. Well, if he could join us, ver of um, we, it would be nice to have you on here where you could um, verbalize this because that's kind of hard for us to be talking no, and says, you typing. Yeah. There he was a hardware Steve, two layer. Okay. okay. Well, we, we can ask Steve then. Okay. Well, hopefully we'll get more information on this and yeah, maybe we can plan to have you on, Mark. I mean, uh, to get you on here where you can speak with us too because that would be interesting to hear about that. I'll, he says I'll there's two yeah. hardware layers. I mean, um, I find that hard to believe, but, well, yeah, we'll need to. Uh, <laughs> now, Steve Bjork just chimed in and says, I never used a two-layer. So there you go. I See, don't know what's going on here. to make sense. <laughs> I'm, the, I'm just going to go on record to say that I, I have zero expertise, so I'm making no claims. <laughs> so, well, uh, I'll believe uh, Steve. Um, okay, yeah, there's speaking, speaking of bouncing ball, we, ha we have – we have Ron Delvo with the bouncing ball in the background right now. Ron, yeah, how many well, that background? Yeah, is how not many moving. layers? How many layers you got there, Ron? That looks like well, nine layers to me. This is like a cake now. We have a we have a nine layer chocolate cake. So death by chocolate. Um, that is all one layer. <laughs> it was used in the last <laughs> Paul, ninja. Paul Viscarelli says that was used in the, in the last ninja. Huh? The two layers. <laughs> I, I don't know. Okay, well so. All right. Well, Mark, we'd love to have you on sometime where you can um, give us some of that information. Um, but that's all right. right. So let's get back to the original uh, question. Of uh, we we started off talking about the floppies. Why was the floppy at sector seventeen? Have we satisfied your curiosity, Rondelvo? Absolutely. Um, is more citation needed as far as why floppies are typically the directory tracks are typically about halfway through the disk? No, it's old technology, basically. It's old right? technology. Um, you know, now, one of the things you guys were talking about, too, with I forgot which system you said where it had a backup track of the uh, directory at the end of the disk. But um, what's happening now on, on modern PCs, because, you know, for the longest time, Windows hard drives were partitioned using what's known as MBR, our master boot record. But the newer 64-bit way of doing that is now is called a GPT, or a GUID partition table, which allows for larger partitions, bigger disks. And what the GPT does is it automatically has a master boot record at the beginning of the hard drive and at the end of the hard drive for redundancy, taking into account that if one or if either spectrum of the disk, you know, gets a, an issue, we've got a redundant copy of our boot record um, uh, to boot the hard drive. That's not necessarily where the where the directory is stored, but at least the boot record is in two places now in, in modern hard drive uh, file systems. So. So does the computer have to sit there and think which one is correct? No, I think it just happens <laughs> when it happens at boot at boot time. You know, it melts down. <laughs> yeah, it melts down. There's, so. there's probably a checksum on the sector, and so if it's bad, then it goes to the backup one. See if it uh, yeah. is, then it assumes it's correct, rewrites so the first one again. A decision yeah. is made. Yeah, floppy technology. It's... Uh, Nice again. Yeah, so if only if only David Ladd was here, this would be a complete you're, you're floppy doing a talk. good impersonation of him, I think, right now. <laughs> ESP, TTL. Um, all right. Blow up something. <laughs> yeah. All right. 
Steve Steve Bjork, he's in the chat there. Yeah, I see him, and I yeah. see him in the chat. Uh, I'm not. Join us or? Yeah, Steve, are you going to join us? And also, I don't know, Steve, if you saw my response to your email. I have the slides queued up, but I just think it's the 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 title card needs to be updated because I think it still says lesson five, but it's lesson six. But other than that, I have I have those slides if we're going to do that assembly segment. All right, uh, have we beat this one to death? Yes. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. All yeah, right. Back to the two layer. Right, so <laughs> yeah, so let's 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 get back to the two-layer graphics. I now. use two-layer on Funstar. <laughs> <laughs> I see Steve is saying it's in there like two fifty-six color, only only in your head, in your mind. All right. Well, we're gonna yeah. run a commercial, and we'll be back with more Coco Talk. <laughs> so don't go anywhere, boys and girls. Potty break. Hi, this is Max Jackson live from Coco Fest. You're listening to the real game, Steve Stroh. Hey, everybody, this is Bill Noble, author of Nitrous 9. You are listening to Coco Talk Live, the leading live Coco Talk show. Good day, mates. This is Nick Marionette author of such color computer titles as Donut Disaster, Rupert Rhymes, and Rockstar Pilot. And I am here today to tell you about the world's most fabulous operating system, OS9. OS9 and its current incarnation, Nitrous 9, is the most advanced operating system ever created. And what makes it so good? Ease of use. I find OS 9 so incredibly intuitive that I haven't once cracked open the user manual. And yet I've been able to create such incredible games faster than the time it takes to sing Walsing Matilda. With two layers. Using OS 9, I expect my next game, Funstar, will be done this weekend and distributed exclusively on ROM cartridge. OS 9 forever. Any resemblance to actual events to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. <laughs> Look at that artwork. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? The original gamer Stevie Stroh here, and I want to talk to you about Amacoconut.com. If you love the color computer like I love the color computer, then you got to visit Amacoconut.com, your one-stop shop for all of your candy color computer links needs. There you'll find links to blogs and podcasts and project sites and emulators and downloads and groups and communities. If you love the color computer, head on over to Amacoconut.com. That's I-M-A. Coconut.com. Tell them the original gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Coco forever, people. It's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas. This year, I needed to give a real family pleaser. Honey, please help me with this budget. How about a new game, Dad? Please. And I found it. Radio Shack's Color Computer 2. On sale for just $99.95. It entertains educates manages it's expandable tv not included affordable. now that really pleases me the color computer 2 sale price for christmas only at radio shack with two layers <laughs> is that what the two in color computer 2 meant or was that's what the second layer was added um <laughs> All right, we are back. Well, Mark, I, I just want to say again, we'd love to have you on and um, get you on verbally where we can have a little bit more uh, directly interactive discussion. Um, 
Um, all right, so we're back. Uh, we have just finished a why did they do that segment, and hopefully hopefully we've answered questions and created others, because any good discussion leaves you wanting more, right? So <laughs> I want more. I want more. I want to know. Um, Bruce, I got the video that you sent me. Do we want, we want to go ahead and pull up Bruce's video? More and more. Do you want to take a minute to explain to us what we're about to see, Bruce Moore? Uh, sure. I just did a little screen capture of um, my uh, development process in Basic 09 in MAME. Okay. Yeah. Development process. So this is like your development environment? Yeah. Okay. I'm waiting on the video to come up. There's okay, sound here's on. my demo of how I use MAME for fast development. So you can see I've got a batch file open here with a whole bunch of <laughs> crap in it, I guess you could say, for setting up MAME. I specify, have to specify the ROM path. I'm using a Coco 3. I specify, in this case, I'm using um, OS 9, so I specify floppy disk flop one and i say where it is and that's the boot disk for the uh, hard drive image flop two is where my own code goes yeah dsk file so floppy disk two and that i happen to be using the phoenix ide i mean it could be any disk really anywhere it doesn't have to be the phoenix and then of course um and then following that i'm specifying the actual um in this case, the uh, the VHD file. This is a ease of use alpha three, I think. And then there's a couple of other interesting switches um, for the keyboard. Unimode um, F12 that lets me uh, I map the uh, screen lock key for for getting into different options to the F12. There's an auto boot command, and inside quotes you'll see slash n dos slash n. Those slash n's are carriage returns. So I get MAME to automatically type DOS for me, so it fires Ooh. up OS 9 as soon as it goes, uh, turns on. And then you'll see the no throttle. It's going to run this uh, sucker full blast. I'm not sitting around waiting for five minutes for everything to load up. And then at the end of the line, you'll notice I've got a playback uh, option with a switch, PB, and a name. Now, initially, I used record and the rec switch and the name. And what I did is I recorded my keystrokes in OS, well, Nitrous 9 here, and where I told it to load up um, the items off of my disk. And uh, so it recorded that, and now when I- Hold on one second here, Bruce. I believe this is now time for uh, my my brain to explode here real quick. <laughs> <laughs> Steve Confire. Steve Confire. Steve Con. Three. Steve Con. Two. Woo woo. The whistle's great, blowing. Great part is once all this is done and I press play, it's it's. it's yeah, it's, no, I'm following you. I just I just felt oh, this was okay. very this was a very appropriate time to show that off. Okay. So. okay. All right. Fair enough. So what I do here is I capture this and then I inject that and then I do this and I do. <laughs> Who's 
head's ready to explode at this point. Now this is kind of cool. All right, so we're we're now uh, so the grid is where you had recorded your keystrokes and now you're playing those back, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. On with the video. Sorry for the interruption. I couldn't resist. <laughs> I do. I run this batch file. The whole sucker loads up super fast, so I can go to my IDE in this case. I can make a code change code, uh, change code 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 change, and I can hit go on this batch file and boom within i don't know 10 seconds i get to see whether my code change worked or not so maybe we should just see this in action here i could just run this batch file but if i do it from the uh the phoenix ide that, that might be interesting to see yeah this is going to be interesting because i haven't gotten very far in this so we're going to get that loaded up here so you've got your phoenix launching that batch file that's right okay this actually takes Phoenix seems to have a lot of hooks for stuff like that. Code okay. generating so action, action. Here I've got called <laughs> Arena. And in post build, this is where I, oh, I shrunk up on me there. This file here is where I tell it to run the batch file, essentially. So i got a bunch here of code here. This is basic 09 code. I've got some assembler code over here. These things are all going to end up on that floppy disk, virtual floppy disk that's going to be loaded in MAME. When I hit go and it runs that batch file, here it goes. Batch file running. Boom. Here comes MAME. No throttle. Running unthrottled. You see how fast everything's flying. Wow, right look at that. Okay. Okay, there's a little pause here. Well, MAME now picks up its own little recording that I typed in. That basic 09 just flew by and loaded that. And then my stuff's all loaded up. So then I just have to hit that F12 key. To change the keyboard emulation, hit F10 to turn the um, throttling off so I can actually type properly, and then I do run test, which I'm not actually going to run just now because I don't want to give away what I'm doing. Okay. And then I just hit the escape to get out, and I'm back so I can see, you know, whether my code worked or not. So this is the ease of use methodology <laughs> of development. <laughs> That's pretty impressive, I got to say, though. It's great. Yeah, it took me a while, obviously, to get that stuff sorted out. But once it's sorted out, like the the the, the turnover in the development is so fast, right? Yeah, yeah. It, it takes the, all the annoying parts of it out of it. Yeah, right. yeah. So I can it, very quickly make a little change. Hit go. Oh, there's an error. You know, I can go back and fix it. I don't. Have, it doesn't take me ten minutes each time to load up OS nine, load up Basic nine, load up all my code, see if it compiles. It does does it all real quick using the main at no throttle. So, yeah. Okay, that's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, so if anybody wants wants that batch file or something, I'd be happy to. Get yeah. It. Well, um, you just you just reminded me of something. I'm going to show you something. Uh, what I'm doing is nowhere near as elaborate as the Phoenix IDE or that super batch file, but I will show you one thing here on on mine. So, as I'm working on Cosmic Aliens. The tool I've been using, which is not um, publicly available to everyone yet, but this is a tool that John Strong has been giving me. All right. And so one of the things that you'll see here is that this is his tool. It's called Disk Tool. Can you guys see it? Yep. yep. Okay. So I've got my Aliens 19 disk mounted already. So when I click on that, here's the directory of my disk. And just real quick, like if I wanted to see the source code, I can double click the source code and here's the editor for the source code. All right. So this is the editor I've been using to work on Cosmic Aliens. It's a full screen, you know, basically like your notepad style editor. 
Um, up until recently, I had to run a batch file similar to yours to, to launch MAME where I had that disk already done. So uh, in my Coco 2 batch file, which is nowhere near as crazy as yours, but when I look at mine, uh, how the hell do I get in here now? So here's my Coco 2 launch. <clears throat> and I go to edit. Okay, so here's mine. So mine does MAME space Coco 2. I, I'm not specifying any of the paths like you are because I'm running mine from the same folder as MAME. So right. I type in MAME space Coco 2. That's the machine. I do a flop one aliens disk. And then I'm just doing a skip game info similar to yours so you don't get that little pop-up saying you're running yeah. a Coco 2. So that mine was real simple. So I used to just um, do the editing in John's tool and then and then run that batch file. What John has just given me now is a launch button here from his little disk editor. So now I can launch it in MAME or VCC. And when I click on MAME now, this will actually launch it. Now the only thing this is not doing now is like typing in like you did where it typed in DOS or run. So I would actually like to learn from you from what you just showed me and I'll, I'll play back your video later on. Yeah, but, yeah, but now, switch, yeah. Yeah, so now the to fact that, that you can record keystrokes and inject those to the launch yeah. file, that's really making MAME like, it's like putting an auto-exec bat file in MAME. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. And that's, that part's easy, yeah. And that's what I need to do now is I need to be able to do that. That would just make this this much easier, right? So, now that's pretty cool. Um, I, I tried messing around with the Phoenix IDE, and it's it's a little bit over my head uh, as far as some of the things I wanted to be able to do with it. And, um, you know, am I going back into full screen? But, no, that's pretty cool, and I, I think some people kind of grasp that if you're if you're not already working in a development environment maybe that was some that maybe that some of that's a foreign language to you but speaking of development environments we've got legendary game designer rick adams with us here on the program hey rick how are you hello there how's it going can we get a thank you you're too kind yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's the george carlin sound alike contest right here <laughs> Wonderful wino in Western Walla Walla. That's pretty good. All right, so what is Kieran saying right now? So James Jones was saying the auto boot command is way cool to not yeah. have to deal with this basic is something I always wanted. And then Karen saying most things you can just test with other emulators, uh, myprogram.bin, as soon as weird loaders are required that doesn't work really well so i think six c is talking about xroar where you can drop a bin file right into xroar you could this is launch um xterm bim uh i got your <laughs> 60 says i got your dev environment right here <laughs> xterm vim make i got your dev environment right here all right so <laughs> um rick you're doing something probably similar but different to what bruce just showed us with his convoluted cockamamie batch file there so uh yeah, <laughs> yeah. uh and a little bit of it yeah so you what are you doing because you're doing you're doing stuff on the uh, raspberry pi and you're working on right. assembly code and making it or right yeah i'm using uh, you're using uh yeah uh and make uh and the uh, what do you call it? The LW tools, LWSM. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. And using all that, and I'm not using the emulator at all. Uh, I was, and then I got an actual uh, Color Computer Three. So now, in, in, with uh, DriveWire and uh, and all that, so it's pretty easy to get that mounted on the 
Color Computer 3 and run it on actual hardware real quick. And so my turnaround is real fast there. Hmm. So you're just, you're basically, your make command is updating a virtual floppy that's mounted in DriveWire. And the minute right. you update that floppy and you type in dir on the real Coco, you'll be looking at the latest version of that? Right. Kind of a dynamic refresh through DriveWire? Yep. Okay. So you're doing a you're doing kind of a hybrid emulator hard, real hardware thing where you're doing most of the stuff an emulator would do, but then you're doing the actual testing on the real Coco. That's pretty creative. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. And the, the turnaround is just super fast. Uh, and so what he was talking about is, you know, in Mame it's got all of these artificial, uh, uh, you know. Switches. Oh, let's make it as slow as it used to be in the old days. And it's like, mm -hmm. no, don't do that. Kick out the jams. Let's go. Oh, yeah, because that's, that's what kind of what Bruce did. He did a no throttle on MAME, so it would load up OS 9 super deal, fast. Yeah. yeah. Now, right. on, I don't have on, to deal with that because I'm just going directly to real hardware. So. Right, right, right. So in your case, you're not necessarily speeding up the time it takes to boot OS 9, but you're not dealing with the physical limitations of floppy speed because the drive wire access to right. that is going to be faster, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so it's almost and, as... Testing on real hardware is real good, too, because, uh, like, I just ran across a bug that involved uh, changing palettes on the, on the fly, causing little sparklies on the screen. Ah, you have an 86 gimme. And I'd heard gimme. about that, but I hadn't experienced it until now. And now it, you know, sort of punched me in the face, and so I had to fix that. And I have to ask myself, if I was using MAME, uh, would that have... Uh, manifested itself and i don't know the no. answer to that and the answer is no because no. that's that's what um nick knows. yeah nick knows and also uh the pac-man transcode who did that glenn hewlett he ran into the same problem where mm -hmm. he, he didn't know the sparklies were there he had to do a 1.1 update to fix that so, <laughs> so we yeah. can't emulate sparkles <laughs> they could well, they were too busy Emulating the slowness and the horrible sound of the, of the floppy. floppy disk. Yes, yeah. yes. Let's focus on this. You know, it's yeah. like medical research. Well, we could find a cure for cancer, but let's make a pill to give grandpa a boner. <laughs> Hashtag priorities. <laughs> what? <laughs> I'm not going to comment oh, on that. Right in the Actually, you got that backwards. You have that backwards, Stevie. What's that? Originally, it was a heart medication, and they found okay. it had a side effect. Yeah, side effect <laughs> slash fringe like, benefit, oh, right? So, my goodness. Tell us how you know this. Yeah. Uh, Tim Franklin says you should always verify code on a real machine, but you guys mm -hmm. know that. Definitely. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, emulation is great for speeding for speed of development to get that development cycle going. But your final product before you're going to ship it, you're obviously going to want to test it on real hardware, right? Wait, so, now isn't Sparkles an extra added feature? <laughs> <laughs> no. Is that anything like adding sprinkles to ice cream? <laughs> they go down quick and first. Sparkles you know what? I don't all know across the screen. I don't know. What does it, it mean? Right, right. It means your drugs Maybe. are kicking in. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> it means you need to up the dosage of your blood pressure medication. Um, so let's. So OmniStar, your game, which which I have had the pleasure of looking at a little bit, and maybe we can reveal something there. Um, is there? And maybe I don't know if you know the answer to this, Rick, or maybe Nick 
uh, Marentes might know, but it would be kind of cool every now and then if there was some type of effect where the screen would shake or the, the, the picture would kind of focus and unfocus and stuff. Is there any gimme tricks similar to Sparkles where you can simulate CRT distortion briefly and, you know, phase well, and unfaze? that because that's what I've been adding the last two or three days. Ah, so okay. There are, there are probably better and cooler tricks than what I'm using. Uh, and I would love to know about that, but uh, uh, I'm making the screen shake. Okay. And as you get toward the end game, when you're you've pretty much taken almost everything down, uh, I have it showing you know that it's starting to get really kind of ticked off at you. Uh, by uh, intermittently, it uh, changes the palettes. Okay. And so it makes the the screen like dim, like oh oh, mm. you know, looks like the power's about to go out. Ah yes. You know, so it's kind of like the lights flickering when you're in a, uh, you know, an electrical storm. You think, oh, yeah, I yeah. Hope, I hope the power is going to hold. Okay. You know, that's sort of the feeling I want to get to it. Doesn't so I'm no. making the screen shake and, and I'm making the screen dim. Uh, but there are probably cooler tricks than that to like weird out the video that I don't know about. And I'm a, I think I'm about to post, you know, like a plea for, you know, people to, you know, you know any tricks like that? Let me know about that. Well, while we have Nick Morenti's here, Nick, can you think of any tricks that would do a temporary distortion of the screen just to simulate, you know, computer feedback to the CRT or anything? Oh, simple. Uh, all you need is the activate the two layers and <laughs> turn on 256 color and you can... <laughs> <laughs> Um, there's a lot I'm sorry, I have an appointment with the planet Earth. <laughs> you know, Nomequist has a, a nice uh, effect with their flat. They have a don't they have a red flash that appears when you're playing the game? I haven't yeah. seen it yet. And they have the explosions and oh, well, mine has a red flash, but yeah. it doesn't have explosions. So. Oh. Steve Bjork is mentioning Canyon Climber. When you blow up that first canyon, the screen kind of shakes, and I think that's because it's changing resolutions back and forth very quickly. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how they achieve that screen shake effect, but it's very effective. Mm -hmm. But that's well, also... Yeah, the different video modes are, are, yeah, are, are different in, in size, so it's bouncing between two different video modes, a higher one and a lower one, so the, mm -hmm. the image is going up and down. If you do it fast enough... It can you do that on a Coco 3 when he's on that 640 um, resolution high-res screen? I haven't tried it, but, uh, yeah, there might be a way to do that. I mean, yeah. I'd, I'd have to so try. what I think I'm going to do is I'm going to post a, uh, you know, a request for, you know, it's kind of like a basic one-liner. You remember those? You know, here, here's how to do something cool and basic in, like, one line. It, of course, the one mm. line would be 258, you know, bytes long, but... Uh, you know, it's like, do you have anything, you know, to do anything like that, uh, you know, in 15 lines of assembler code? Yeah. You know? And I think yeah. a few people are posting comments about changing modes with the SAM and the VDG, but this is Coco 3, so these have to be gimme mm -hmm. tricks, not necessarily SAM or VDG well, it tricks. It doesn't right? have to be, but yeah. Okay. Are you doing uh, double buffering? Mode, but yeah. I'm not doing double buffering at all. There, there you could do a double buffering instead of having your screens totally identical and then flipping back and forth, shift one of them up or down. Right. And when you I, am back shifting and forth, up and, I am shifting up and down one scan line. Okay. Uh, which, which meant that when it shakes, it would expose garbage. Uh, ah, that's one scan the, line on the bottom. Yeah. That's so a good effect. My, 
so I took my, uh, you know, I didn't want that because that looked terrible. So uh, uh, I made my screen clear routine just do one more scan line than it was previously. So it would mm. like uh, turn the entire screen and one additional scan line dark black, you know, so when it, when it, when the screen shakes, you know, you don't see garbage at the bottom. Okay. So just, and, and do you synchronize that with the vertical sync and do it so it's all timed clearly? That should give a bit of a blur. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, it doesn't look very good or? Well, uh, you know, it looks okay. Uh, and there's a sound effect that goes with it too. Uh, that's when you're being attacked. You know, it's like you just, you just got mm. hit in the head with a, you know, with a steel beam and, you know, your points went down and it's like, Oh, what happened there? You know, and that, you know, it just needed a little bit more. So, you know, it used to be, uh, you'd hear dink. And then your points would go down, you know, but 10%. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I just wanted a little bit more. So now the screen shakes and your dink and your, and your points go down. Mm, that's cool. I can't wait to see that version if you ever post that. Now, remember, it's posted, it's posted remember, now. If you're Coco Sparkles for more than four hours, contact Nick Morantis. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a cereal. Coco Sparkles. <laughs> Part of this balanced breakfast. <laughs> Maybe he gets it confused with Tinkles. <laughs> Jersey, we oh, please not. It looks like Roku is a few seconds behind on the Sarah Rondell, though. I'm yeah. looking at it in your background there. That's okay. Yeah. Um, we have somebody watching us on uh, on Twitch by the name of Crispy Sausage. Twitch? And Crispy <laughs> Sausage says, I like this show. I love it. All right. Thank you. <laughs> Twitch. Good. When you get too many, when you get too many gimme sparkles, you start to you start to twitch from having those seizure effects, Twitch. right? So, um, and Coco Man says my home internet died. Well, let's all pause for a moment of silent meditation. So we mourn the loss of Jason's internet connection. Um, all right. So yeah, that'd be interesting to see some. Uh, I, I can't wait to see the current version. So uh, Rick, can we reveal the fact? Uh, can we reveal something that happened recently with OmniStar that? that I was able to achieve is that yes yes you can all right so I guess we can we, so Rick Adams is working on his latest game called OmniStar and Rick posted a picture on Facebook saying he was the first person to beat the game of course he's the author of the game so he's got a little bit more access to it but I've also been play testing it and I am now Level the second uh, I am the second person and the first person who's not the author to beat the first OmniStar. Civilian, yes. The first civilian to beat OmniStar. So and you uh, didn't it's, even rage quit. I didn't rage quit. Yeah, I did <laughs> yeah. So the question is that I get past level one. Yes I did. Um huh. and so Which those means are, that the game must not be very balanced very well if you didn't rage quit. <laughs> yeah. You gotta crank up Well I so, worry about that because uh for a while I couldn't beat it. And it's like, well if I can't beat it it's not a good game because you know nobody can beat it. Probably. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. actually, that's not necessarily true because I'm not that great of a gamer. Uh, but you know, it, but it did make me worry. So it's like, okay, I did beat it, so it is actually possible. It is winnable. So, uh, Steve beat it, and he beat it too soon. I think maybe it, I need to make it tougher. I'm not sure. Yeah, so yeah. Well, we'll, we'll I, I got, I got. So there, there's, there's, it's, there's definitely there's a cerebral component to this game, and there's a strategy to this game. And so I got very lucky that I had the right programs that I figured out which programs did the most damage. 
I figured out which program could heal those programs. And so I kind of got into this rhythm where I was alternating between two scripts to take out nodes. And then when they both got down to about 10 to 20%, I would then boost them back up, which also boosted up the other script that's your your smart bomb. So um, I got lucky that I had all the right programs in my arsenal and I figured them out. And it took me about four playthroughs to get to that point where I had all the right programs. And, mm-hmm. and so that, ru- that run, I was literally doing a very systematic run around the spider web and just took out it node by node in a very systematic way. And I had all the right tools in my tool, tool belt to, to get the job done. But you don't always well, cu- get those that way. Points. Yeah. A-, a couple of points. Uh, I can tell by the way that you were talking about various things that you may or may not completely understand what all the different programs do. Okay. So it'd be kind of great if you could make up for me a list of your current understanding of what they all do. Yeah, and I won't do that on the see, air. So uh, Right, exactly. And I just want to see how close you are. And the other thing that kind of worries me is that I think that smart bomb may be too handy. Too smart? Uh, I actually yeah. intended for it to be uh, a one-time only thing. Okay. Uh, you would You would set it off. A and one then and it done. Would disappear from your inventory. Okay. Well, that would that and would, would be that would change. Forever. If that was the case, I probably wouldn't have won. All right. right. As quickly as I did. Else, Rick, I, I didn't think you some Forest of Doom code you can drop in there, and that should confound Stevie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I actually thought that there weren't uh, enough resources to use that smart bomb more than once. So, which is why I didn't take it out of the inventory. Okay. Because another thing about that was that it was too mysterious. It's like you would set it off, everything yeah. would go kablooey, and then it would be gone. And it's like, well, where'd it go? Yeah, um, yeah. So I figured, oh, they'll only get to use that once. Well, you got to use that several times. So mm, I'm not, yeah. to, I may have to adjust that somewhere. Well, I mean, if, if, if I hadn't used it several times, I think I still probably could have won. But this, this, this helps speed up the process. Right. So, but that that's to be determined. So, I'll, actually, what I'll do if if I can find those same scripts again, I'll try it without the smart bomb and see. Right. Uh, of course, now I'm going to be on a different version anyway. So maybe I should try in the same version before I update it, just to see if my. Well, no. The the balancing of the game is not really any different. Okay. It's just that I added I added some Chrome. You okay. Know, it, it looks prettier. Okay. And it has maybe a little more sound effects and you know video effects and things. Yeah. Like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Not that much different. Well, just, I gotta say, it's it's been fun playing uh, that game, and well, um, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, yeah. So, very cool, very cool, excellent, excellent, excellent. All right, well, uh, hey Nick, do you have a core dump for us? We we haven't got to news yet either, but did you have a um, core, core dump discussion? I could probably, yeah. All right, yeah, let's throw one in and, and and see what comes out. Yeah, all right. All right, well, we're, the, uh, graphics. well, we're going to we're going to take a commercial break first. So okay. I just wanted to check with you before we did that. All right. So we're going to take a commercial break. We'll come back with uh, with a here's a little teaser here. We're going to come back with a well, soundboard's not working. But yeah, we're going to come back with a core dump after these words from our corporate sponsors. So we'll be back. Hello, this is Great Leedy with Coco Talk. Got your Coco Perfect 3 yet? <laughs> Hi, this is the award-winning Alan Huffman of Subbeat the Software, and you're watching Stevie Fall Off Cliffs. Not making it past level one. <laughs> hey, have you got your Coco 3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. Get ready. 
What's going on everybody? Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here, and if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, then you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. There you will find custom designs by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. You can get I'm a Coconut, Coco Talk, and other cool video game images on a t-shirt, coffee mug, or mouse pack. So if you love retro, then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Radio Shack has a great gift idea for the whole family. Fast action TV games, and they're on sale. Get this six-game model for $29.95, or the four-game model for $21.95. With rising entertainment costs, that's a real bargain. You play hockey, tennis, squash, and more. Easy to hook up, and great family fun that lasts all year long. The sale price TV games. Only at Radio Shack. A Tandy Company. What is squash? Squash? Is that kind of like a racquetball or tennis style game? Yeah. Something yeah. like that. Yeah. And and it's it was one of those games that uh you know those multi-pong games they included supposedly 128 different games in it in, in Yeah, the, yeah, which is 127 squash. variations of pong. <laughs> it was, yeah, and, and, and they, they just called one squash and they called Yeah. Then you had hockey, and it was like, okay, well, you've got gold now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we we have somebody watching us on Mixer, which is another live streaming service called XX Pro Gamer One Two Three. Says hi. So hey, and Hamster Four Hamster Man is here too on Mixer. Say hello to you guys watching us on Mixer. <laughs> so James Jones is saying, hey, is that Charles Napier? Uh, he said, he did he have a screwdriver outlaw who was saying easy to hook up? Yes, it's ease of use, right? You just screw on this connector to your TV. <laughs> There's Rick Adams' development environment, including the Coco 3 on the right. The real hardware, right? Nothing beats real hardware. That's what she said. Um, all right, so we have um, in our midst from Australia, Nick Morentes is going to host a core dump segment with us, which is a little technical discussion that we'll get into. But we could not start this discussion without our professional show infographic and theme music. So here we go. It's time for Core Dump, hosted by Nick Morentes. Take it away, Nick. Okay, well, (laughs) this week I've got myself uh, involved in the um, um, uh, Window Master program by SirComp. Does anyone remember that program from back in the 80s? Yeah. It's written written by uh, Bill Vergona. Uh, he wrote other programs like EdTasm 3 and uh, what else? Uh, C Basic as well. But was he related master- to? Is he related to Abe Vigoda, the guy who played Fish on Barney Miller? <laughs> 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 There's a reference know. for you. <laughs> anyway, Ron Ron posted a picture up in Facebook uh, a couple of weeks ago with a. Uh, a screenshot of the uh, window he's got ron's got a copy of window master the latest version three and he put a few screenshots up there and that reminded me i said hang on i've got that program i might uh, fire it up and have a look at it so i i went through my um software 
archives and I found I do indeed have a copy of Window Master, which I, I think I acquired years ago from someone who was selling all their colour computer stuff uh, and I just bought all his stuff. And one of the things was a, a copy of Window Master. So I've got the manual and I've got the disc, but lo and behold, the disc doesn't work. After 30 years, uh, that, that's right, my copy of that disc you're looking at now yeah, is now just dead. So I couldn't use it. So I've been uh, wanting to see this Window Master program, which is basically a program which um, creates a, uh, a desktop environment or or rather it gives you live additions to the standard RS-DOS mm -hmm. for being able to program a Windows GUI-like environment. And yep. there, there's a few shots there. So you can, under BASIC, create a multi-view type environment whereby okay. you open up windows, pull down menus and all that. I thought, well, that'd be pretty cool. Um, and the stuff that Bill Vergona has always written has always been high quality. I've seen his other programs in the past. So I thought maybe this Windows Master is, um, is, uh, would be useful for any future programming I do. But lo and behold, as I said, my disk is faulty. So it turns out that Bill Vergona has got a website that actually advertises you can still apparently buy so, um, all, all the Circomp software. Okay. So I contacted that website and Bill did, um, did reply. Um, he's selling the Windows Master for $55, which a little bit steep, but yeah, I, really yeah. wanted, I, I really wanted to, to try this program. But... Um, you know, 55 bucks was uh, a, a bit steep, I thought, for something I, I didn't really know if it was going to be any good anyway. So right. I, I downloaded a copy. There's a freebie copy of the Cocoa Archives. Um, but unfortunately, it hasn't worked. I, 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 I've um, loaded on my Cocoa 3 and uh, tried to run it, and all it does, it just locks up. So it doesn't seem to work. And it turns out, of course, that... Um, Bill has put a lot of heavy copy protection <laughs> on the disc. Yeah, that's right. It, it, it's copy protected. Obviously, you must check that if you've got the original disc. Yeah. And it locks up. So, which is a shame. I really wanted to try this. So, um, I contacted Bill and I said, look, Bill, I'm, I want to buy this program. I'm, I've got it, but I want to buy it again so I can try it because it looks good. You had a, you had uh, an original physical copy. I, I, so I have oh. an original. I've got it right in front of me right now. Yeah. But the discs after 30 years have just died. So I can't I can't load the, the software. So, I mean, I was hoping I could get a free, free disc. But better still, I said, look, Bill, I don't have a floppy disc. Do you have a non copy protected disk so I can run it on a Coco SDC or an emulator? You know, I mean, nowadays that, that's the way it is now. Most people have sure. a, a, a disk, need to access a, a DSK on a Coco SDC or an emulator. I haven't heard back as yet. Okay. So this then is the uh, purpose of my discussion here is when is copy protection actually impractical because here he's got copy protection with the purpose that it prevents the program from being copied so mm -hmm. that he gets more sales. But 
Now that may have worked okay, maybe in the eighties, where you know the copy protection was a was a, 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 a real problem. But nowadays, I don't think we really need this copy protection because of the copy protection. I'm not going to buy a software package I can't run on my Coco SDC. So right, right. That that's that's the thing I'm battling with now. That I I I, I have an original. Even if he was to replace it for me, he would right. replace it with a floppy disk. Well, that's <clears> no good for me. You know, I, I want an uncopy protected version I can run on my Coco SDC. So, what do people think of that? All right. Well, Sixy has uh, Karen has responded saying there is there is a disk format that's known as DMK that does support copy protection that should also work on an emulator or possibly okay. Coco SDC. Now I've I've uh, tried that with Ron yesterday. We tried to actually um, a few experiments and trying to copy that and create DMKs, but yeah, failure. It just didn't work. So I, I think on the um, the Coco Archive site there is a DMK version of it, which you need to convert to an SD DK profile mm. for the Coco SDC, which which I did that as well, but it still just locks up. So I don't understand what's wrong, um, why I can't get it to work. Um, but yeah, it's just frustrating that there's that copy protection, which is actually preventing me from being able to run the program on a modern Coco 3 setup. And it's just counterproductive having the copy yeah, protection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So but the answer to that would be either to have the, the, the person who sells it or the end user enter the end user's name and a serial number so that if copies do get out, it can be traced back to the original owner. I wrote yeah. software on the Apple II, and we incorporated inside the, the, each of the disks um, on a hidden file a serial number in the name of the person who bought the program. And Charlie had a program he would run, and it would create the, the the signature file, so that if copies got out, we could identify whose copy got out. Now, I yeah, that's a that's a good idea. Um, I'm just thinking that today's Coco users, I, I really don't know if we actually need any copy protection at all. I had no copy protection on my Popstar Pilot game, and I think. The Coco community now is at a point where they support developers nowadays. And, you know, we probably also have a bit more disposable income. So mm -hmm. we don't mind spending a bit of, you know, paying for, for software to support developers. So I think in today's uh, Coco uh, world, that's probably not needed. So I'm hoping that Bill will turn around yeah. and release version of that program without the protection and maybe at a lower price point too i mean he's, he's got 1980 prices there so <laughs> <laughs> hey but it's new original stock <laughs> well i've always been interested in this windows master but yeah i've never been able to run it because of my corrupted disk so i've just got a renewed interest but yeah, yeah I, can't, um, I can't go forward People that are never going to pay for it are never going to pay for it. Well, that's right. You don't gain anything by protecting it then. Um, you, you slow down, I guess, the distribution of it for, so that not everyone gets a free copy. But nowadays, like I said, I think Coco users are pretty pretty good at supporting other Coco developers. So 
At least yeah. the ones in America are. I'm not sure about those Canadians. With, uh, <laughs> with, with all the sophisticated tools and things out there, it's you know it's not that difficult anymore to bypass copy protection. It's well, this, this particular program has something in the uh, mouse driver of the program that forbids you from going any further. Well, it, they would just basically write a new piece of code that drops in place of it. Yeah, so you might know. have to disassemble it and you know hack right. it to bypass yeah, copy protection. You have to hack it. I don't think yeah. a, a standalone program just it's not a matter of copying the disk. Yeah, you can probably find ways on a, on you know modern hardware to to copy um, the disk and you know get through the protection that way. The point is. I don't want it on a floppy disk anymore. Goodbye, floppy. I don't. I never want yeah. to see them. Again. Yeah, yeah. I you, need, you've got a you've yeah. got a valid case here. You are you are, you own the original media. You paid for it once, yeah. and nowadays people are not using other than David Ladd. Nobody's really using physical floppies <laughs> anymore. So yeah. um, the the so we so you basically need a Coco SDC compatible hey, version. I, I'm keeping David company. I see. <laughs> yeah, I forgot Al Hartman's here too. So. <laughs> The role of David Ladd today is played by Al Hartman. A little bit more here. Um, the, the, Atari, the Atari communities had the same type of discussion. Uh, a lot of people do not want to buy a cartridge. And there are some of the developers coming out with new games, and they refuse to provide a, a file-based version of the game. Digital only, copy. A digital copy. They right. only provide cartridges. This, uh, does, isn't this really up to the uh, developer? I mean, the yeah, yeah, the developer it is. wants to be uh, uh, really protective. I mean, we can't, you, you, know, you, you well, can't do anything people, about it, right? Uh, it's it's lack of like, lack of benefit. Gonna steal it. That, you know, and uh, the only way they could protect it is by having custom hardware or something. That that's really where things are now, and. You know, it's just the choice of the developer. The thing yeah, is, this, uh, this that's interface how they're going to be. Cool that's how they're going to be. It's too bad, you know. This interface uh, that he made, the Windows Master, would be great for uh, the SDC. It's high res. Um, yeah, yeah. Graphics and you know. So just run in. Just so you know, yeah, well, multi view stuff, but in RS DOS and yeah. So just so you guys know that. Um, uh, Hugo DeFort has been working on a project like this too that he's been sharing the uh, progress on from time to time. So Hugo's been trying to reinvent this wheel of creating this library of pop-up windows and dialog boxes. Yeah. And so it's basically, it's like, it's a GUI dialog box. It's it's actually a whole GUI environment, right? So what this So, but yeah, so Hugo has been working on this too and he's been showing the progress where he's got different size fonts and buttons and radio buttons and stuff. So, um, th this is the kind of thing where this is where you get into the discussions of OS nine versus RS DOS because OS nine has all these features built in with with system yeah. calls, but with RS DOS you've got to invent these wheels and so but this looks like this is what we now what we call an API right so an application programmable interface or a library that we can use these routines to generate our own stuff. Um, it looks cool. I like it. I like I like the looks of it. Very much reminded me of like what a deskmate environment. I saw the calendar. It kind of looked like deskmate mm. and stuff. Um, well, all all those little uh, calendars and stuff, the extra utilities that are on the disk, are all written in BASIC. That's in, that's impressive. 
that's right. That what Windows Master does is it it gives you all those extra routines, those little APIs, whatever. Um, but it also ties them into extra commands in Basic. So it's really ba a basic extension. So you've got commands now for doing Windows. You mm -hmm. don't have cryptic commands. You can actually tell it to do additional windows and wow it does all the overlaying and all that for you it it's pretty impressive i, I really want to try it which is why i was prepared to buy pay for another copy but yeah it's no, you need it's you, no you, so, you so so now the question isn't even if you can get over the 55 dollar pill you have to swallow um, which we can we can sit here and debate the value of it and yeah i agree that's yeah. a little that's that's a little bit uh, of a high price tag because it's basically a program that's already been in existence. If he had developed it today and it was brand new and stuff like that, does that change the value? I don't know. That's that's kind of hard to say. But It probably uh, has a, a limited market as well because it's yeah. obviously only for people who are programmers, mm -hmm. which is fair enough. I mean, as, yeah. as a programmer, I'd buy it so I can develop software. Sure, for. sure. I don't know if, if I create a program and I want to sell that program, uh, what – that how does that mean that everyone who wants to run my program has to go out and buy a copy of Windows Master? I don't know. Is well, that's that becomes an interesting free, an interesting yeah. idea there. What if he licensed it, where that's you right. have to pay a royalty to him to every product you sell that uses it? Now, then again, so, this has to be done on the honor system because how do you track it? Yeah, um, so I, I don't think it has that, but I'm, yeah, I'm just curious to know how do you distribute any software that you create under sure, Windows Master? Sure. Is there a free runtime that that um, programmers can then supply with their program? Yeah, right, right. Do right. you still have the manual, Nick? Because it's, it's probably I do. I'm, I'm going to read through it. All I've been yeah. all I've been doing at the moment is trying to get the damn thing to start. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I'm still I, I, on page one. Sure. <laughs> you haven't gotten past uh, page one. You haven't gotten to level two yet. Huh? That's so, right. No, um, I haven't gotten past page have, one. Have you rage quit the manual? <laughs> not yet. Not yet. I'm getting close. I'm getting close. Um, <laughs> Can we get a summons for Mr. Vergona? <laughs> well, Abe Vergona? He, yeah. he, he did contact me initially, so he was all right That's there. That's good. But when I, I, I tried to um, now ask him. I've said to him, I said, look, I want to buy it, you know. But can you release a, a non-copy protected version? Well, I haven't heard back. So okay, I don't know. Um, I, I guess I guess the encouraging part is is he's around and he's, and he's responded once. Maybe you need to rephrase the question in a way that doesn't sound like you're trying to get one that's easy to distribute. Say, listen, I'm going to use this for myself. I'm a developer, and you know the modern way we do things now is off of emulation and off of the co you know virtual disks. So I would. That, that's exactly what I said. Yeah, oh, you did. Exactly. You did. Okay. Yeah. 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 I've done, okay. I've done that already. Okay. So. so um, hopefully, he's just been busy and hasn't replied. Sure. So sure. This would be a good program to have in the community. I mean, if he was to crack it so it doesn't doesn't have the protection on it um, i reckon it'd be better in his interest like he'll sell a lot more programs i don't think he's going to sell any at all as it is now well right. if you think of it, though, maybe this guy has not had a color computer two three one hasn't done anything since all those years ago when he right. had it and he has no way to fix it yeah, okay well there are people who could help him well, like, was, well yeah. Steve Bjork, he his machine's gone that had all his source code. Yeah, yeah. He, he could do. Uh, he would be. A, we if we if if you get a hold of him and let, let's even get him on the show too, because this would be interesting to talk about just to hear. Let's all chant his name. Ready, Abe Vigoda. <laughs> Bill. <Vigoda. laughs> oh man, 
a fish it's fish from barney miller so uh. <laughs> anyway yeah it'd be good uh, to see Mary word, man. Mary I, word. I think it'd be i think it'd be a very good program for the for the coco community to we lost you there for a minute nick you got muted gone yeah okay you right, start, you, back? yeah you started to say it'd be a good good program for the coco community yeah, yeah, so it'd be good to release this um, uh, so that it's available for the Coco community. Anyone who wants to write a basic program uh, with Windows, well, sure, Window Master. Yeah, yeah, and but that anyway. that that also means that it has to be on the Coco three to get those to get the level of yeah, graphics like that. Yeah, this is the Coco three program. So yeah. okay, and because it adds basic extensions, that's also possible due to the fact that. Um, uh, Cocoa 3 Basic is in RAM, right? So it's just modifying. It's kind of like what Microware yeah. did. It's just adding on more hacks to the original yes. ROM. Yes, yeah. that's right. Yeah. So From the looks of his website, it looks like he's selling the original. I mean, these are like old copies he had laying around. So yeah, new original stock. So from a collector's point of right. view, it would be neat to have an original physical copy. But from a practical yeah. point yeah. of view, we need, we need functional digital copies. Um, well, the only one I know of is, of course, uh, Ron. Ron has a uh, version three original yeah. disc, so which he showed. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Um, if, if he no longer has a Coco three or Coco two, he may have no way to replace a disc for Nick or to make an image because he doesn't have a computer. That's what I thought. Right, mm. right. But there, are, there are people who can help with that, right? So there are, there are ways to now image a physical copy protected disc to a virtual copy protected disc that would still work on a Coco SDC. So we could create, we could maintain the virtual copy protection in a format that's compatible with emulators in Coco SDC, right? And that that technology mm. exists. Well, one thing we've uh, kind of talked about this whole thing is uh, he has a very successful. Um, software protection program, doesn't he? <laughs> yes, because I, I think you you tried to copy it yesterday and um, the copy the disc, make a physical copy of the disc, oh. and that didn't work. So, like like we we used uh, um, backup magic, I think it was on the archive, and uh, yeah, it, it couldn't do it. Wow, nope. uh, clone M. Uh, spit, spit an image. All kinds of different things won't touch. It. Wow! So all the go-to copy protection, copy utilities, all failed on this, huh? Mm -hmm. and, yeah, and that's my good. Copy only has one copy on good on one side. The back side has another copy, even says so on the label. But yeah, it doesn't boot from that side. Oh. So I only have one wow. copy. Hey, mm -hmm. I want to I want to say hi real quick to Kyle. I don't know if it's Eater or Edder who's out there in the live chat. He was commenting earlier on the um, on that video of the guy in the Radio Shack commercial. He says I think my dad had that same jacket. Kyle is I think he's with us on Discord too, and he recently became a patron too. And um, so thanks, Kyle. He's, his name just flashed up on the screen. He was one of our patrons. So thank you. Um, William Carlin is saying I've never been able to get the disc th that is on the color computer archive to work in VCC. Yeah. Are you talking about the disc that we're talking about right now, William? Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. And it, that's there's probably a, because of the copy one. protection. Yeah. It's probably because of the copy one copy on, uh, on the Coco archive, which I mean, that that'll do. I just wanted to see if what the program's like, but he is selling the latest version, version three. So that's, I thought, Okay, I'll buy that. But yeah, okay. Well, hopefully he'll get back to you because this is yeah, um, yeah. this would be a useful tool. I think I think if we go digital 
um, you know, maybe there's just a different strategy now because you don't have to worry about the physical distribution of media. Maybe we can, um, maybe we can get the price down. Maybe you can work on some type of licensing deal where, listen, you, you know, um, you know, you, you, let's say 30 or $40 for a digital copy with a light, with the ability to release it, to release a runtime, you know, with, because wh- wh- why else would somebody buy it to make something just for themselves? That's a very limited application. Mm-hmm. But if you're going to make something that you can then redistribute, um, there's got to be a way to do that too and respect his license where we're not giving away the product or, you know, somehow. Um, Does anybody know of anything else that's similar to this for our stuff? Anything? As far as, uh, t- as far as turnkey, I'm not aware, but I know Hugo DeFort has been working on creating his own from scratch. And, uh, mm-hmm. I would imagine at some point in time he may release them, um, but that's not a turnkey solution as of today. And that's neat though. It's definitely a neat. Uh, sure. It's a neat little thing. I'm glad. I'm glad. I tell you what, Ron never ceases to pull something out, a trick out of his hat. You know, he's always got some program. Hey, have you guys seen what? this? <laughs> Did you know this? You know. Uh, <laughs> If you guys are not if if you're not following Ron's Garage on Facebook, you should. You're uh, not with it. You're not with it. So all the cool kids are doing it. You know, um, I am going to. Uh, how do I get to Ron's Garage right now? Am I on your garage, Ron? I think I am. First, go to your computer. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm going to post a link to Ron's Garage in the live chat. Yeah. So um, for those of you watching, if you're not subscribed to Ron's Garage, and it's free, if you have, a, if you've already got your paid subscription to Facebook, mm-hmm. you can get Ron's Garage for free. <laughs> and don't miss my Soyzilla. And somehow the link just got chopped up here, so I'm not sure how that works. Let me try pasting it in in YouTube as well. Um, yeah, I don't know if that link's going to work. Let me see. Let me click on it. See if it opens. It does open, yeah. So it's weird. YouTube does something where it kind of chops off the link, so it looks like it's broken. But I guess it works. If you can, you can go to Facebook and just do a search for Ron's Garage too. You'll find it. So, yeah, you will. Uh, Ron's cool. Garage, a bargain at any price. At any price, right? right. So um, everything's not for sale, and it's stacked up in my garage. <laughs> oh, actually, I just searched for Ron's Garage in Facebook, and it didn't bring it up. Ah. What? You, you must you, a whole bunch of car repair guys named Ron. Uh, yeah. Are Mario you on Are you on Facebook Premium? Because we're all on the paid version of Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> that must be no. on New Jersey Facebook. No, no, no I'm, I'm on the Facebook with two layers. Maybe you've got to contact my cousin Iggy. Hey. To get you in there. Well, I got it from um, Iggy's link, so that. No, there you there go. There you go. There you go. And so, I friended Ron, depending on whether or not he, he accepts my request. Oh, Ron, you're going to accept Al's friend request? If we can do that. Ron's very scrutinizing. He's not friends with just anybody now. Well, that's okay, because I'm not <laughs> he's friends with anybody. He's only friends with people that come to his house and wire wrap all kinds of memory upgrades <laughs> for him. <laughs> all right, good, good topic right. there, Nick. Okay, Al, yep. you're in. Just off the cuff? Yeah. Uh, so, so hopefully we will hear back. And let me just pull that up one more time for those who may be just joining us late. Let me. And, oh, and by the way, here, let me. I'm just going to pull up your whole garage page real quick, Ron, because you got yeah. all kinds of cool stuff on here. So, uh, and before we do that, how about we do this? Because I've got a Ron's Garage uh, little intro it's graphic proper here. Proper music. Proper yeah. music. All right. So we're going to take a, a, a not a deep dive, but we're going to 
we're gonna dip our toes into the across. waters that is Ron's garage. So hold on one second. All right, so no, now I got. Uh, <laughs> there we go. And go. where is the panic on Funkotron? All right. Get your groove on, people. Oh, yeah. It is time to take a peek into the Facebook group of Ron's Garage, featuring the eclectic retro collection of Ron Delvaux. All right. So. Yeah, my son did that when he was 12. There we go. So what we're going to do here. Oh, is yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> So here's what Ron's Garage Facebook page looks like. I'll just move the browser over here. And so you get a little handsome picture of Ron DeVoe up here, right? Handsome gentleman. Yep. And as we scroll down here, here's a picture of Ron DeVoe updating his Coco SDC to version 0.50. This is what you were asking about before, Ron. How were you? Uh, yep, my CocoZilla. Oh, and these pictures. No, this is not Coco. This is, uh, these pictures are very small. You mentioned these were done on a very uh, yeah, low fidelity. An, an early... Um, camera you know yeah yeah that looks good though Can wow you. godzilla yeah. scales and stuff on there yeah soyzilla huh that's cool and it was a nine 900 megahertz pc it was a state-of-the-art at the time wow and just before that makes those pcs wanted me to come up with something on a case so i i lettered those cases up and uh, he kept a couple for himself and gave one to this uh, radio personality guy hmm Supposed to be the fastest computer at the time and world's fastest computer and it got advertisement out of it that's cool and so you got all kinds of pictures here your tandy laptop your uh trs80 model one here's our good friend paul t barton putting wires on things yeah and here it is so here oh, was the post so window master 3.0 rs dos window utility works well right so the guy's name is bill vergona I really hope we hear back from Bill, uh, and it would be really neat if we can get a way to distribute this in a modern way where he can be compensated and people can benefit from using this. That would be kind of cool, right? So, yeah, SirComp, right? So this looks really cool. Uh, you got these little pop-up windows here with a bomb. Here's a little warning. If you're going to format your drive here, warning, you're going to lose everything yeah. on here. It yes formatted or no. drive perfectly. Yep. Yeah. That's pretty neat, right? Here's it, it looks very much like DeskMate or MultiView or one of these things, right? So it looks good, right? You got these little icons here for a binary file versus a data file. That is pretty cool. This is cool. This to me very much looks like DeskMate, right? You see your little yeah. calendar, right? And these all these things are done in basic. And you so, can actually put, you know, notes in each one of the days and and you there's know, different size fonts here too. So this looks like a mixture of like 40 column and 80 column based on the fonts here. You yeah, know, I think it's, I think it supports uh, some scalable font type stuff. Yeah, and it so, also has a uh, low res version that has uh, blue and then red um, for a color. Okay, and you yeah. notice here too that there's the, he put the thing on both sides of the disc. So because the cocoa drives were not double sided, this was a common thing where you would cut out a notch in the floppy and then use a little hole puncher and punch another hole in the other side of that to be able to record on both sides of the disc. So because disc can go bad and stuff, he basically gave you two copies on one disc. Just yeah, to, but not only there, but you, you had to punch the uh, um, index hole too, I think. Yeah, yeah, down by the uh, the, right. uh, the, the, the orifice. Right. Yeah. I, I have said a clear orifice. plastic um, template for that. 
Ah, okay. Gotcha. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. All right, have we completed core dump? Yep. And we didn't. We even got a little Ron's Garage segment in there. All right. So, uh, so give us the flush to close off. Yeah, this completes <laughs> another core dump, people. All right, and get that crap out of here. <laughs> All right. As long as the paperwork's done. Yes. All right, well, we got some news to cover, but before we do that, we'll go ahead and run another commercial, give you guys a chance to take a potty break. So we will be back after these words. See you in a few, people. Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to Coco Talk. Hi, I'm Mike Rowan, and you're watching the original gamer, Stevie Stroh. And when you're done watching, come over and listen to the Coco Crew podcast. Hi, this is John Linville. And Neil Blanchard. We are the Coco Crew. I hope you're enjoying watching Stevie Stroh play video games, especially the Coco games. And when you're done with that, check out our podcast at CocoCrew.org. Oh, yeah. Where can you catch all the latest oh, yeah. news and information about the daily color Dig it, baby. compatibles? Oh yeah. I'm talking about the Coco Crew Podcast. Dig it each month. Join John, Neil, and Mike as they lay down the latest news and information about the Radio Shack Tandy Color Computer and Compatibles. Move to interviews. Tech segments and discussions all about the Radio Shack Tandy Color Computer. Strut your fine self over to www.cococrew.org and start listening today. The Coco Crew Podcast. Keeping you Coco. Keeping it cocoa, Dick. Big plans after school. You know what Elliot's gonna do? Jeff, what is Elliot gonna do? Work on a book report using Scripsit on Radio Shack's Color Computer That's 3. Nick's favorite program, Color Scripsit. His Radio Shack Color Computer 3 playing the newest football game. But wait, what's Elliot doing playing new Super Pitfall? And Jeff's having a blast with a new math tutor. You never know what you might try with more than 100 color baseball. For fun and learning. Radio Shack's Color Computer 3 comes with everything you see here. Other items each sold separately. Only at Radio Shack. Hey, this is Bruce Moore, author of Force of Doom, and you're watching the original gamer, Stevie Stroke. Sorry, Rent, let that little segment run longer than I expected it to do, but we are back. And by the way, since we're not having assembly this this week, we're not going to call this episode Assembly Part 6 anymore. We've decided that we're going to call this one Abe Vigoda, right? So the name of this episode is Abe Vigoda. So this is the Abe Vigoda episode. If you guys don't know who Abe Vigoda is, your homework assignment is to watch the entire um, uh, Barney Miller uh on Netflix. Uh, wouldn't that be cool if Barney Miller was on Netflix? I don't know. Maybe it's on TV land or something like that. But yeah, they don't make TV like that anymore. Like Barney Miller. Uh, a graphic of a fish there. <laughs> Wayne Aaron is here. Wayne Aaron says, wanted to say hi to everyone. Um, Steve Bjork was saying they did sell those discs with the pre-punched holes in them. So that were designed, uh, a double-sided disc designed for a single-sided drive. So kind of factory punched. So that was kind of cool. 
Now, I had um, a metal template that someone made for me out of sheet metal. Mm-hmm. Had, like a little piece of sheet aluminum. That there he is. <laughs> there he is. You know, with Abe Vigoda, there used to be a line you would say on the internet, Abe Vigoda is not dead. And then he finally <laughs> died for me. Abe Because he ended up on the Conan O'Brien show quite a bit at one yeah. time. Fish. People, thought, people thought he had died and he hadn't died. Yeah, yeah. When I was coming back from the Cocoa Fest in Fort Worth, Fort Worth, um, on the plane with me was the woman who played his wife. She was in first class. Okay. So the woman who played Bernice on Fish. Ah, uh, Bernice, yeah. Oh, Nick Marota. By the way, Nick Marota's here. Hi, Nick Marota. Nick Marota. Nick Marota says those discs were called flippies, the floppies that you could flip, right? And I had a Wang Tech. I still do. I have a Wang Tech drive that has the sensors on both sides, so you could flip a disc without punching it. Yeah, mm. Percom, Percom uh, made a, a drive like that, and you just... That was it. That was the Wang Tech drive. It was made by yeah, Wang Tech. And uh, that idea died when the owner of uh, Percom died. Hmm. Well, the drives are well, not anymore. But you used to be able to still get the drives, even when Percom went out of business. They just weren't that popular. They had a full um, door on the front. I wish I could show you the picture of the drives that I have, but they were a nice drive. Yeah, mine are not labeled Percom, but I got them with my L and W eighty when I bought it on eBay. What was the name of that manufacturer? Wang Tech. Wang, W-A-N-G-T-E-K, Wang Tech. Remember the Wang computer? Yeah. Yeah, and WordPerfect was modeled after the Wang word processor. Remember Wang Chung? Wang Chung. Everybody have fun yeah. tonight. Gone completely yes. Hey, there's Coco Cat. There's our... At least our first cat sighting today. Yeah, Mark Overholzer is not at home, so we don't have the Overholzer cat. He doesn't look happy. No. <laughs> he wants in my lap, and he's just, it's, yeah, he's hes not, we're just not agreeing on how he should be sitting in my lap. There you go. All right, so are we ready for news, boys and girls? We do have some news queued up. Let's talk about what's new and exciting this week in the world of retro, and I'm going to pick at random a little musical track from Curtis Boyle. I'm going to pick track four, so let's switch over to Coco News, shall we? Coco Talk. Whoops, wrong button. After Dark. That was still cool. (laughs) That was still good. Oh, man, let it play. Ah, That was the short one. You guys want to hear another Coco Talk After Dark? All right. After Dark. I I, I forget where all my buttons are. uh, A French Coco there we go there we go there's some co- there's some of that but you want to hear another coco talk one let's try this one here coco talk after dark coco talk coco talk after dark uh, all right there we go ay, ay. yes squirrel squirrel <laughs> Eight inch floppy. Eight inch floppy. I love the busy signal at the end. Yeah. All right. So, so what's going on in news this week? So, here's an interesting competition. This is called High Res Low, right? And there's a link to this in the description of this video. So, the idea here is you take a picture that was in high fidelity and you try to create a low resolution equivalent of that picture for this content for this contest. 
and it ends in September of 2018. So we have about a month left to submit your lo-fi um, digital artwork to this competition. So this is on trs-80.org.uk. And then it's competition.html, but there is a link to this in the description of this video. So that's kind of cool. Um, and so there is a tool that you can use as well, right? So maybe this is a good time for me to plug um, imacoconut.com because I don't remember the link to Simon Jonasson's semi-graphics utility. But if you go to imacoconut.com, and I believe it's under resources, which I can't even, resources and archives. And I believe under resources here, SG Edit, this will take you to Simon Jonasson's editor. And is, is it Davey Mitchell that's been working on this, that's been uh, updating this for Simon? So this is a really cool tool where you have all of your little semi-graphics tools, and it'll show you what tool you're doing. And you can kind of draw semi-graphics in all your different colors. So you can, you can do a CLS, like if I want to do a blue, a blue background. I can say I want to clear blue and hit, I could turn off the grid. How the hell do I do a CLS? clear cls zero are you sure okay i can do a cls three are you sure so if you want to start off with the blue background all right so this is a cool tool as well so if you wanted to do some semi-graphics artwork to feed into this um, high res low competition that might be a resource you can use so um pretty cool i think uh, carlos camacho has posted a few pictures in facebook where he's done some mock-ups using the semi-graphics tool where he's shown like um like even uh joust he showed like what joust could look like in semi-graphics and it actually looked halfway decent so so that's kind of cool right so um so that's kind of a cool interesting little uh thing going on right now so you might want to check that out all right so what else went on this week? So Brian Weiss, is it Weisler? Now where's Brian? Brian's no longer with us. So Brian brought up this question, and this this got a lot of uh, a lot of chatter on Facebook this week. But was the cocoa used in the space program? So was the color computer used specifically, or was the 6809 used, or was maybe OS9 used? So the truth is out there, and it was a pretty long thread. And then I've got a I've got a follow up to this where James Diffendaffer has basically given us a, a link to a post on Atari Age, talking about different microprocessors that have been used throughout the history of the space program. But what do you guys want to chime in on on the cocoa in space? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that they used OS nine, but it was for the sixty eight thousand processor, and it uh -huh. did not go up on the shuttle. No. Did not go up on the shuttle. So the sixty eight hundred nine did not. Yeah, that's that's a, a that started uh, that discussion started back in the eighties. Mm -hmm. Sixty-eight Micro Journal had a editorial where they talked about it, and I think someone heard sixty-eight oh nine, so they assumed or they heard OS nine, and they assumed sixty-eight oh nine, and then somebody else made the leak to Coco, and yeah, the support equipment. All right, yeah. so the so the color computer itself, nor the sixty-eight oh nine, was not used in the space program. My understanding is any hardware that flies into space has to be hardened. It has yep. to be shielded from the gamma rays because once you're above the atmosphere, you don't have the atmosphere filtering out uh, radiation coming in. So you don't want mm -hmm. a gamma ray hitting a processor core and flipping a bit, especially if that processor is controlling the life support or something. Sure, yeah. The, uh, yeah, they, they had... Uh, one of the articles off of Atari Age, uh, it talked about the initial processors in it, and it was like a mini mainframe, and it was a discrete 
uh, processor yet at that time even. And uh, then they used, I think if I remember right, it was a hardened power PC or something like that. I don't know. There, there's a, that was, that was talked about pretty thoroughly on, uh, on a couple pages linked to off of the Atari age article or thread. I also remember that besides the systems that flew into space, NASA used a lot of, they used Amigas, believe it or not. Yep. They also used a lot of older systems like uh, 8086s, 8088s, 286s, and 386s. And at one point, they were buying up everything they could get their hands on to keep their old systems running. Right. They made they a wanted. massive purchase of 8086s just a couple of years ago because they didn't have any more. And I think that was uh, that was actually what the fueling system was based on, if I remember right. But Here's a shot of the uh, space station with a cocoa in it. Ah, there it is. Look at that. The cocoa is in the space Russia, station. Russia this is actually news, had though. an MSX machine in space. <laughs> fake news, uh, fake news. It is. Yeah, Russia hmm. actually had an MSX machine in space. I don't know what the hell they used it for, but they had one. Collusion. And, uh, they used it to their, hack yeah. the election <laughs> from yeah, space. And one, one of their, <laughs> and one of their Venus probes um, Ooh, a probe. was based on the Z80. And uh, it took, oh, they told how many hours it took to compress images to send it back. It's like, you know, it's no wonder we didn't get ma many images back from that space probe. <laughs> well, at least it was a Venus probe and not a Uranus probe, so. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, Russia, some... Russia was making its own Z80 clones. Yeah. So that's kind of believable because they could make a hardened. Yeah, and, they, uh, and the developer box was supposedly based on... Um, a 64180 that was clocked at, oh, geez, I can't remember what it was. It, it was a high speed. They had smuggled them into the country as development boxes. Hmm. All right. So if we put this one to, Beth, to bed, has Mythbusters busted the myth that the cocoa itself was never in space? Yeah, for sure. All right. It was definitely a good topic. And if there's a link to this in the description of this video, so if you want to um, follow the thread and chime in on this, feel free. Let the discussion continue on Facebook. Just re remember, we are all premium members of Facebook. We're part of the uh, paid service. It's kind of like Amazon Prime. I'm on Facebook Prime. So I get exclusive now, content that uh, most non-believers wouldn't get. Now, wait a minute. There was a Coco 3 in the trunk of that Tesla that... Uh... <laughs> Is this on the, the the bridge of the Enterprise? It was actually yeah. running on a Coco there. Look at that. Yeah, so, a Coco transporter console. Transporter. <laughs> the transporter console. There you go. Yeah. That's good. So there's also a link, which is in the description of this video that James had provided. This is, this is a, an article in Atari Age um, uh, talking about which processors were used in space. Now, a few minutes ago, uh, somebody jumped in uh, the live stream by the name of Brandon Kasparek. He says, what is this? I thought you did Minecraft. And yes, well, this is a live talk show that we've been running now for over a year and a half, and it's now back on this channel. So yes, we do Minecraft, but we also do talk shows. So we do all kinds of content here on the OG we're, YouTube we're, channel. I'm still waiting for the uh, cat talk, dog talk, and horse talk. Yes. <laughs> 
All right. So there's a link to uh, there's a link to that. Um, we cover it all out there. All right. So here's another one now. So Diego, a friend of the show, Diego from South America, who has only been deported from this country once, as far as we know. Um, true story. So Diego has a website called Yet Another Color Computer Site, Y-A-C-C-S. And Diego has been working on a, a game that he's been showing us called Furious. Felines is kind of like an angry birds, but you're throwing cats to catch mice. And so there's a Facebook posting for this. And, and Diego's site is actually right here. Welcome to YACCS, yet another color computer site. And it's pretty cool. So this has got links to his software. So if you click on my programs, it looks like you're looking at a directory for, for uh, a color computer disk image. And for example, if you click on he says that you know. So we only know about the one time he was deported, but there could be more. So, <laughs> so when you click on Felines 2, this takes you to the game with some screenshots, and you can also download the game. And here's the here's what's on the game disc itself and all kinds of stuff. So this has been a really neat project. And this was, what I think, our first core dump was talking about this, how to reduce the flicker when the um, when the cat was being thrown across the screen. So Diego's website, there is a link to this in the description of this video as well. So check out yet another color computer site and check out some really cool games and projects that our good friend of the show, Diego, from South America, has worked on. Uh, anybody have anything to chime in on that as far as uh, what we've covered so far? Am I moving too fast? We all good? Well, one thing well, that I had put in the chat... Um, when I we talked about Popstar Pilot a while back, I mm. did a Google search on it, and about the top four links, three of them were links to reviews of the game, uh -huh. to the reviews, and the link in each of those reviews uh, go to a broken page. Yeah, because Nick Morenti's had a different website before, and now it's nickmorenti's.com. Um, and... Uh, so oh, <laughs> Nick Morenti's correct link to get yeah so can can people go to nickmarentes.com and, and contact you to get popstar pilot nick uh yes yeah Matt? um i haven't looked in a while well here here here's a little known fact and and we can let nick make the final verdict on this too but technically you can get it from my website too from uh if you go to the 8bit256.com and you click on the link to order dvds I have a DVD copy that you could order online, and I don't know, Nick, if we've decided that was a temporary thing for Coco Fest. Do you still want me to leave that up there, or should I take that down? Uh, well, we, uh, I mean, I still sell it, so I mean, whatever people want to do, yeah. So one way you can get it, and I'll just forward the proceeds to Nick whenever they come in. But if you go to 8bit256.com, which is our swag shop, and you click on the link that says DVDs and software. Um, there is a package of the game that you can get um, online there, and you can order it straight through the internet, and it can ship internationally. Um, and and or you could contact Nick himself at nickmarentes.com um, or whatever. You can talk to him here or in Discord or whatever. Um, the difference, um, the difference is that if you order um, through um, uh, Steve's site, you and you live in America, you'd probably get it you know, a day or two later. If you order it from me, though, it has to come all the way from Australia. And by the time I, I hire the appropriate kangaroo to do the delivery, <laughs> um, it might take two, maybe three weeks to get to, to get there. So He's got to strap it to a boomerang, throw it to a wallaby that will right. take it to a dingo exactly. that will get it to a kangaroo. <laughs> Some of these kangaroos can be lazy. 
Are they flying kangaroos? They... <laughs> no, they're swimmers. Like flying monkeys. Yeah. Well, this is the problem. It takes them a fair while to get off the ground. <laughs> <laughs> so, so it's a bit of a delay there. So, so check out Diego's website. Good stuff. Good stuff. Something else that came up on Facebook this week too. This is Paul Thayer. For those of you not familiar with Paul Thayer, Paul Thayer's most recent uh, commercial game he released was called Timberman. And Paul Thayer is working on another project right now that's called Buff Commando. It kind of reminds me of the early Duke Nukem. When Duke Nukem was a 2D side-scroller, it kind of re reminds me of that. Like well, Naked Commando? Buff Commando. Like, yes. You could think of it that way, sure. Um, but, um, but so Paul's been posting a few things. One thing Paul posted a link to recently was some code to double buffer a low-res Coco 3 screen. Because we had mentioned that, you know, on the Coco 1 and 2, you got different P modes and you can do P copies and page flipping. But supposedly on the H screens for the Coco th uh, 3, there are no multiple H screens to do P copies and double buffering with. Well, he had posted a link on how to do a double buffering on the low res screen anyways, which was like, what, 160 by 128 or something like that. It's a really low res 16 color screen, which is very retro looking. But he's also posted something that is being used by Diego in the um, in his various felines, but it's a way to H-put with transparency where it gets rid of the black. So when you do a P-set or a preset, it, it just gets rid of the black where it looks like it's a transparent sprite going across the screen. So he's posted some code and a disk you can download there and some sample code. So if you want to learn how to do a somewhat transparent looking sprite and the Coco 3 um, screen, uh, the information is out there. You might want to check that out. There's also a link to this in uh, the description of this video. Um, another, so uh, Richard Lorbieski is not here, but the Boomerang uh, has, uh, you know, making its way. Boomerang Mania is sweeping the nation. Matter of fact, let's run that little bumper right now. Let's run the Boomerang Mania clip. This is very apropos at this point. All right, take two. Push your Coco 3 to the limit. That's something else, huh? Rob Inman gave us that fabulous production there. So, uh, another satisfied customer. But And last week, uh, Richard had let us know that a new batch of Boomerang would be available to order this week. So, if you have not already ordered your Boomerang E2, 2 megabytes and CPU booster, apparently. <laughs> and apparently, those Boomerangs don't come back. They don't uh, come back. 
Scroll down, scroll down a bit more on your screen there. Uh huh. Is this an up a current version of the? Um, yeah. Okay. Click on that. A bit down. Charlie yeah. Drake. It's an old Australian song. Okay. Hopefully, I won't get a copyright notice from YouTube on this one here. Let's see. Fair use. Forty-five seconds. We got a lot of trouble, Chief, on account of your son, Mac. Wow. My boy, Mac, why? What's wrong with him? My boomerang won't come back. Your boomerang won't come back? No. Wow, that just seems so... Um, it, it, it's a pretty old little uh, lyric, but yeah, that's what I was saying. It seems, it seems a little uh, culturally insensitive as well there. but uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Dated, <laughs> yes. Back, back, back in the- <laughs> I think that can only best be done in whiteface, so... <laughs> Wow. So, so um, boomerangs don't come back. Yeah, that's boomerangs right. don't come back. Um, so uh, Antonio, now Antonio has learned the first time he tried to desolder his CPU and, and, and cut and burn some traces on his motherboard. He learned to leave this to the experts. And But he did, uh, I guess he did his own switch here. So the cool thing about the boomerang is that not only does it give you two megs, here's your boomerang, here's your two leads that run to your little guardian CPU protector and uh, MMU device here. So there we have the boomerang itself. What he's also done is he's added a toggle switch. Now the location he chose to me, I, I realize it's it's less conspicuous, but it's also less practical to get to because you got to lift up your cocoa. But see, he's done a little drilled a hole here for a toggle switch for his um, two meg five twelve. There he's mounted the switch with some leads because there's a couple of leads on the bottom of the uh, guardian here, and then. From there, here's the switch. So the same spot where the RGB connection is, he's got that toggle switch. And then he, I think he actually labeled the toggle switch to switch between the 512K and the two megabytes there. And here's his RGB cable. So It's a um, switcheroo cable. It's a switcheroo. He, he's added a switcheroo to the boomerang. So this is uh, whose mind is blowing right now. So cool project there. And that's it's definitely out of the way, and it doesn't take away from the look of your cocoa. It's not like putting a big blemish on your system, but for practical reasons, you know, you got to lift up your thing and put your finger behind it, as they as they say, um, to flip lift it. Up your thing and put your finger. <laughs> <laughs> so um, good job there, though, Antonio. Uh, and so good. So trying there to get you go. it on my switch racket. I don't know about that. Yeah, yeah. Listen. Oh, here's a nice switch that Ron's found there. This looks like what you'd put when you're going to electrocute somebody there, huh? That's, that's, <laughs> that's, a, <laughs> that's a dangerous switch there. So the mad scientist. Yes. Yeah, so another satisfied boomerang customer. Here's a very, um, I would say, racially intolerant uh, song here about the boomerang. But uh, well, I'll tell you what, for those of you, it's, it's in the Facebook but I will go ahead and throw it out there too. I'll stick it in the YouTube chat if you'd like to watch a video that's not necessarily flattering towards the indigenous people of uh, Australia, by all means. Um, what else? So that we're going to save that for news. Okay, so this one we covered. 
we covered Rung's Garage, or I should actually say events. So, all right, we've wrapped up news. So have I missed anything? Any of you guys, you guys want to uh, also add in that's happened this week uh, that maybe is worth mentioning to the retro community? Um, people were asking on the MC10 area on Facebook about uh, upgrading uh, the 6847 and uh, uh, let's see if I can find it. Uh, yeah, a lot of questions about the different modes of what the VDG are and how to get to these different colors. Who's that guy who keeps asking those questions? Is it uh, uh, this week's? It uh, I can't remember. Is it I the guy who always starts off with saying, "This is my bonehead question of the week"? Or yeah, uh, yeah, I believe. Uh, so TRS eighty um, MC ten. So I'm trying to remember his name. I think it's James something. Uh, okay, so I, I have it pulled up. Anyway, the uh, the basically the question was about James James it. Host. Yeah, and. The, the original article telling how to add a not more video RAM to the machine is in the uh, Color Computer Magazine uh, September 83 issue, in case anybody is looking for it. Okay. The the picture that w that was posted earlier looks like this is something that's in an emulator, possibly. It was basically that's showing you the different modes of the VDG. Right. Which... Now, in the emulator, you can, you can support the full uh, 6K of video RAM needed for the, um, like, P-Mode 4 type graphics. Okay, so that's only in an emulator. I see that's a check mark there. It's, it's allow yeah. 6K VRAM, emulator right. enhanced. You have to do a hardware mod, piggybacking RAM chips, running a few wires, and adding a couple more chips to the MC-10 in order to make it uh, actually do that. Okay. I suggest you have soldering experience before you start doing mods like that. Yeah, yeah, that's not that's 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 definitely uh, send it to Richard Lorbieski if when in doubt, right? Um, I mean, what it's what it's looking like here. I was able to follow this. I mean, if you've if you've worked on the Coco and you worked in the different text and graphics modes, you know that you've got different color borders. Whenever you're working in a text mode or in a semi graphics mode, your borders are always black, right? Um, you've got your um, green and white borders if you're in your P mode three or four graphics mode. So. Um, and then in your text mode, you've basically got dark green on light green is your text colors. And those can be inverted to where it's light green on dark green. And there's a way to change the uh, color set to get kind of this peach and red instead of green and black. Um, and that's that was true on the Coco as well as it is on the MC-10. So that was able to follow. And these are your different four color modes. So this is like a P mode 3, 1 or 3 screen with your green, yellow, blue and red modes. And that's your low your low colors and then your high colors are your buff, cyan, magenta, and orange. So these are these these eight colors for graphics have been around forever, right? And so those those are the same on the Coco as they are on uh, the MC10. And then here's I guess your two color modes where you've got your different colors. So you've got black and white, or your dark green and 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 dark green, right? So. Um, so, but I'm not even familiar with this emulator. I'm not familiar with the MC-10 at all. I have one. I've never played with it, and I've never played with an MC-10 emulator. But this is kind of an interesting screen to show you what your different color options are. Um, so, yeah, there's another group out there. So not only is there a Coco-specific group, but there's also an MC-10 group. So uh, what else was going on in the MC-10 world this week, James? I'm sorry if I got sidetracked. Oh, um, I, I don't know. More boneheaded questions. <laughs> okay. 
All right. But there seems to be a handful of people now that are actively interested in trying to develop for the MC-10. So they're probing for information and wanting to do stuff. So I think it would be interesting to see a few more people out there cranking out content other than Jim Gary. You know, God bless Jim Gary, but it'd be nice to see a few other people, you know, do a few things for the MC-10 as well. Other than Jim Gary... The only people I know who've done things besides you, James Diffendaffer, is I know that Darren Atkins. Train. Yeah, Darren Atkins, you know, who's made the memory extender, he has ported a few things to the MC-10 to work, like the Space Assault that was on the ROM pack. There's, a, there's an Asteroids game for it. There's a few things out there. There's a Pac-Man for it. Um, Jim Gary's made stuff. John Linville ported his Christmas Rush to work on it. Um... But there aren't a lot of people making MC10 content. I mean, the only name that comes to mind that's in the top of your head is, is is Jim Gary, you know. So it really would be nice to see um, a few more people cranking out some stuff to this little machine here that makes Steve Bjork happy. It'd be, so, nice, if, it'd be nice if somebody do a hardware project and create a real keyboard for it. Yeah, that would be kind of interesting <laughs> too. All right. Well, the next item that we're going to talk about we're not going to report it as news. We're going to report it under the category of events because it's dealing with Tandy Assembly and what's coming up to Tandy Assembly now that has been confirmed. So that's kind of exciting to share. Um, so is there anything else we've missed so far in the world of news? Are we pretty good there? Going once, going twice. Um, and, I do want to say one thing real briefly, quickly. Sure, Ron. Uh, Sheldon McDonald. Yes. For finding the, a program in, he said he stumbled on this program in the Rainbow Magazine, wondering if anyone had this and if it works with the Coco SDC and joystick. And that's exactly what I saw. Dug out mine, and then um, Mr. Marenti's, uh, you know, gave us. Okay, a, so so the whole our whole core dump topic today is to courtesy of Sheldon McDonald, who posted yeah. this first. Okay. I wanted to give him credit. There we go. Given credit, and so the, and so, ten yeah. percent of the royalties of uh, today's show uh, will go to Sheldon McDonald. Um, all right, and this seg this segment of uh, color of uh, Coco Talk News is brought to you by trains. So, um, <laughs> of course, soundboard's not working. All right, so we're going to come back after after a brief commercial announcement. This is brought to you by trains. All right, so we're going to do another quick, brief commercial uh, break, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about what's new and exciting and officially announced now for Tandy Assembly. So we'll be back in just a minute, folks. Hi, I'm Bruce Moore, and this is... We, we're seeing Bruce Moore a lot lately. i got to fix this playlist. And we are the Forest of Doom guys, <laughs> and the Coco Forever guys, and we're at Coco Fest, and we love Stevie Stroh. All right, we're going to have to fix that. Here he is again. <laughs> Got more Bruce Moore. <laughs> Only the bravest souls enter. Only the most cunning return. Defeat innumerable monsters to ransom the king's scepter stolen by the evil wizard. Your sword, shield, and wits are your only allies. Pray you find a magical inn as your only respite in the forest of doom. For the tiny color computer one, two, and three. November 2017, if you dare. 
<laughs> Coco talk now with 30% more Bruce Moore. Yeah. My fellow <laughs> Americans, Australians, <laughs> Canadians, Europeans, and all of you ands, I'm calling on all y'all to help us make the world great again by visiting the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com where you can get yourself a coffee mug like this with a little cute cartoon character that says, I'm a cocoa nut. You could also get yourself a coffee mug like this with a color computer three that says, I'm a cocoa nut. You could get yourself a, a deluxe travel mug like this with the Coco Talk logo on it. You might even be able to get yourself a DVD like this with over two hours of gameplay goodness. It is time for us to rise up and make the world great again by enjoying some quality retro merchandise and Coco nostalgia. So please visit 8bit256.com and let's make the world great for the color computer. Thank you very much. It's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas. Oh, I remember that Christmas. Dad gave me my first shortwave radio from Radio Shack. What memories. His first shortwave. How many shortwaves you got? Computer 3 from Radio Shack. It hooks right up to our TV and was on sale for less than $130. The Color Computer 3 makes learning fun. Jimmy even lets me... Recognize Shanghai there? ...when he isn't playing computer games. Lucky I still got my shortwave. Save $70 on the sale-priced Color Computer 3. Only at Radio Shack. Only at Radio Shack. All right. All right, well, we're here with uh, events from around the world. So let's play some uh, theme music here by L. Curtis Boyle. Woo! Right on. So um, this we're skipping events in the calendar because VCF Midwest uh, happens first. VCF Midwest, which a lot of us on the show will be attending this year in uh, September. But the big news this week is the official announcement of what's going on at Tandy Assembly. So Tandy Assembly 2018, which is taking place November 10th in 11th in Springfield, Ohio. It has now been made public and is official that our keynote headline speaker is Stuart Schiffey, the guy who ran Computer Chronicles uh, throughout the 80s and 90s. So he's going to be speaking Saturday morning. That's a big that's a big thing. It's a big guy to get. And so this is really cool that Stuart's going to be there. There are more speakers uh going to be happening too. These guys were here last year, Arno and Sasha. Last year they were showing off a kind of cool app store for a TRS-80 emulator where you could get the emulator um, and then kind of like how you can go into the Apple store and download apps, you could download um, TRS-80 programs to run in the emulator all through their uh, program. So that's pretty cool. And so they're going to be talking about something else now, building an extension card for the TRS-80. And then Thomas McLaren, the Tandy 600 FAQ Live. Is, the t is this a picture of the Tandy 600 here? I don't know what the hell a Tandy 600 is. But so, okay. So we got a couple of, um, so this is like breaking news right now. Stuart Schiffey. And so here's his bio. It's on the website. He's actually got a website here too called Schiffey.com. Here we go. Stuart Schiffey Productions. So here you can kind of see a little bit more about what he's doing. He's got an email where you can reach out to him. He's got a Twitter. He's got a Facebook. So apparently Stuart's still online. He's still around. Uh, Computer Chronicles was like a much better version of this show. <laughs> Covering real things on a, was it weekly, monthly? How often did that happen on PBS? 
I don't know. It was at least monthly, but I, that's what it's, I thought it was weekly. But. Might have been weekly, but yeah. So this this was. I mean, they covered all what was going on in tech. So a um, lot of lot of Radio Shack episodes, a lot of Tandy episodes. That you saw him play of Dancing Demon, um, Dancing Devil, whichever one it was called. I forget. And uh, we saw that clip last week. I think it was of the Coco Users Group. Um, so yeah, really cool uh, slice of history there. Really interesting guy to get. So if you were on the fence about going or if you didn't have a reason to go, now maybe hearing and meeting Stuart Chaffe in the flesh might motivate you to come on out to Tandy Assembly. That and you'll get to see Jim Brain. So if nothing else, that'll that'll really make you want to go out there. So um, cool stuff, right, guys? Yep. Uh, the other one is VCF Midwest, right? So I don't remember the website, so we'll just let... Um, all right, we'll let uh, Google find that for us. Here we go. So it's vcfmw.org, right? So the, we got 27 days left to VCF Midwest. So um, all kinds of cool stuff going on there. <laughs> Retro Innovation says, I am way more important uh, than Stuart Chaffee, obviously, right? So VCF Midwest also coming up. And um, a lot of us on the panel on Coco Talk, we will be there at VCF Midwest. We talked about this last week on our Retro Talk After Dark, too. Um, Jim Brain really shared a lot of insight with us. He's been to several of those. He's a big fan of the event. We've looked at a lot of pictures of the event. Looks like a big show. Looks like a good show. I'm really looking forward to attending my first VCF. Um, I, I am planning on uh, displaying Cosmic Aliens, the original version, running on a real Tandy 1000 as well as what, wherever the state of the Coco version is going to be. I'll probably be running that on a Coco Pie. So you'll be able to say the, the, the new and the old, uh, that'll be my little table. My, and I'll also be giving a little talk about the project and where I am and what my plans are for this project, things like that. So, uh, But there's a lot of stuff going on at VCF Midwest. Uh, just because I'm uh, uh, um, registered, I get the emails very well organized event so they're really on top of everything um very communicative um sending out emails sending out floor plans asking people to verify spellings and pronunciations and all kinds of stuff so yeah these these people are are on the game are on the ball and so really looking forward to vcf as well and now tandy assembly you know, and I was, is Abe Vigoda going to be at Tandy Assembly by any chance? <laughs> <laughs> no, but Steve Chaffe is coming out with a sound card. Stuart Chaffe is? <laughs> yeah. So the fourth, the fourth sound offering, that's going to be his announcement. I've got a sound card for the color computer. One sound card to rule them all. <laughs> so good stuff. Good stuff. Who among us right now uh, is hopefully gonna maybe attend either vcf or tandy assembly or both as of right now i'm planning on both okay so we have grant leedy for the win for both i'm definitely i'm booked for um for vcf i got my snuggle buddy grant's gonna be with me we're sharing a uh, small inflatable mattress together lots of lots of spooning Sorry, gonna be going on there. Oh, God. Retro Innovation says I'll be at both. You know, it's, it's that reason that I may not come to see that Saturday. It's going to be the footsie edition. Of- <laughs> oh, Ron. <laughs> 
it for me during that weekend. Uh, oh. <laughs> uh, Jim Brain says he's going to be at both. So Retro Innovations will be at both events. So that's two reasons to go out and meet Retro Innovations, a living legend of uh, retro design and hardware uh, products and services. Uh, Coco Man says he will be at Tandy Assembly. Good job there. Excellent, excellent. Well, we're at uh, two hours and 45 minutes. We're coming up to the three-hour mark, and with the closing credits, we'll be way over um, three hours. So James Jones says, as they say in the security business, I have no need to know. <laughs> um, what else have we not talked about that's worth talking about so far? Have we, have we, have we given the world enough for, for one episode? Do we have any new people in the green area there? In the green area, what does that mean? You know, the talk, the, the talkers. Chat. Oh, you're talking about in the uh, Patreons? Yeah, we we haven't had that Coco Zilla girl show up yet. Or oh yeah, no, we have not <laughs> had uh, sexy girl or anything else show up. Um, it's coming up here. Backyard shed gang. Kyle Eder or Eater is one of our most uh, newest patrons. Um, yeah, there hasn't been too much drama in the live chat today, so no trolling, no drama. Jim Brain hasn't even been trolling us. Very disappointed what? that Retro Innovations has not trolled us that much. So Troll Senior's here. We don't have Troll Junior. It's been a troll-free show. Um, it's this. It's not an episode of Coco Talk without at least... Uh, come on, uh, Retro Innovations, we need you right now. We need some trolling. Um, that um, MC10 article in Color Computer Magazine, and that was written by last week's guest... Yes, it was. Dennis Kitts. Ah, yep. Dennis Kitts. Yep, he had a regular column in that magazine. Wow. The problem is, I'm not a, an electronics guy, but looking at it, if you were to install that mod, I'm not sure you can put an MCX-128 or a 16K RAM pack on the MC-10. You, it uh, would conflict. I see. So it's either or. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of weird. Is that, that, what was the main reason why they could not, even though the mc10 could support up to 20k they never gave you even the full 6k of graphics memory the, uh, the bus is isolated uh, the, um, so that um I don't know how I put this. according to the article the mc10 doesn't fully decode the memory so that the 4k of built-in memory is actually mirrored several times throughout the memory map and one of the well, things that dennis's mod does is it corrects the decoding so that the 4K is only mirrored twice? Well, that's not ac actually a problem because the uh, expansion bus has a connection on it where you can dis disable internal address decoding. So you could have something, the processor see something at those addresses besides that built-in RAM. The problem was that the 6847 is completely isolated from the expansion connector. It, it can only see the internal RAM. Hmm. It's yeah, flying. Jim Brain saying they had one wire to connect and they were too lazy. Tell me why yeah. did Tandy do that? We all want to yeah. know. Yeah, the, there was one pin on the, the, the 6847 for accessing memory that they did not connect. Hmm. And they, even if they didn't have the memory 
in the machine, they could have set it up so that it would have been easy to do that. But yeah. Do you think it was intentional, kind of like how they didn't want the Coco 3 to compete with the Tandy 1000? you think they didn't want this thing to be as capable as a Coco graphically? Or is it just given, a cost thing? Given some of the... Well, um, it uses um, SD-RAM. Not sd not SD-RAM. It uses... Uh, static RAM. Static, static versus yeah. dynamic, yeah. Yeah, it uses static RAM. And it, so it doesn't need any circuitry to refresh the dynamic RAM. And that was more expensive at the time. But I priced it. And 8K, which would have given them enough room to do that, wasn't so expensive that they couldn't have released it with 8K. It would have only been about you know, $5 more, I think, for the unit. In wow. the kind of price. Yeah, but um, I, I mean, that, that wasn't the only compromise to that design. They totally messed up the built-in serial port, and there was a bunch of things. Yeah. It was, It was. I mean, it was, a, it was completely, like like for everything of Tandy, it's cost reduction. And how, how can we do this as inexpensively as possible? Well, um, the the uh, keyboard, they used one of the lines that the ser built-in serial port uses to, to read one of the rows on the keyboard. And the keyboard has enough holes in it in the regular matrix to that it didn't have to do that. And it would actually be faster to do it the other way. But, <laughs> you know, and it, it's one of those things. It's, I've, I've seen engineers design stuff that they thought was clever, and you don't know if it was a, an intentional thing or the engineer just was being clever or what. You know, it might have saved two cents right i believe i believe that's known as a fluster cluck so uh <laughs> yeah. in engineering terms so, yeah. uh interesting uh well listen it's still part of our family right so <laughs> ken says there's a holes in the matrix call neo <laughs> yeah it's it's still part of the family and bless its heart i love the mc10 bless its heart um so I, I, I share no animosity to this. I don't care if it dis, if it destroyed the deluxe color computer. I, I bless its heart. I still love the MC10. So it's all good. Um, That's why you've never used it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I true. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That. Key, but I tell you what. When we look at it, and we can sit here and criticize the keyboard, but when you look at it next to a uh, Sinclair. It's it's it seems like a larger, more capable machine, and compared to the Conclair, it's a much better design. <laughs> oh, the, the Timex Sinclair One Thousand came with two K, and that that membrane keyboard you couldn't even tell you were on the on the keyboard. Yeah, and it was yeah. black and white. Yeah, and it was black and white. Mm. What about a chocolate eclair? Yeah. So Tim Franklin says they do make a good doorstop. So, well, the Spectrum was a forty-eight K machine. Mm. Yeah, yeah. The Spectrum was a better machine, but it came out probably after the MC10 was in development, and uh, the Oric was um, also a well. The first ones, I think, of both of those were actually 16K. Did you say Oric? Yeah. Like, like it sucks. Like a vacuum. Oric, I. It's O R I C. The oh. Oric one. Um, <laughs> was a 6502 based computer it based on uh they had a custom video chip and and it, 
the memory refresh and stuff, and it had a built-in uh, one of the general instrument sound chips, and it, it, you know, it was a similar class machine, and it came out about the same time, and there, there was a whole bunch of them in the same price range. And the, those came out right, uh, my, I don't know, it was just the year before the, the MC-10, I think. It would have been late in the year, though. Interesting. But those were only those were only available in Europe, really. And we got the what the Timex Sinclair twenty sixty eight eventually that was that started out life as the Spectrum, but that was much later. All right. Well, I think we've done we've done we've done enough for one day. Um, and we can decide if maybe later on, if we want to do an after dark, we can, we'll, we'll, we'll reach out in discord and see if we want to get back together tonight. I enjoyed last week's after dark. I thought it was pretty good. Listen to the replay. Good times. Um, so let's say thank you to the people who have been in the live chat with us today. James Jones was here. Paul Fiscarelli, Retro Innovations, Nick Marota, Nick Marota, Nick Marota. Ken Reichert was here. Tim Franklin, Mark Siegel, James Jones, Al Hartman, Alexander Wallace, John Farmwall, Tom C. How you doing? James Jones, Tim Franklin, Nick Marota, Paul Fiscarelli, Mark Siegel, Al Hartman, Ken Reichert, Roy Cyberpunk stopped by for a minute. Sixie, good friend Karen Anscombe was here. Um, Sixie, Mark Siegel, Mark Siegel, Mark Siegel. Steve Bjork was in the live chat. So was Sixie. So was James Jones. So was Alexander Wallace. I know I'm repeating myself. Coco Man was in the live chat when his internet died. Kyle, uh, Kyle, I know I'm screwing up your name. Is it Kyle Etter or Kyle Eater? Um, please let me know. Um, Tim Franklin, William Carlin was here. Wayne Aaron, Nick Marota, Nick Marota, Nick Marota. Um, Retro Innovations was here. Uh, Brendan Kasparek says, hey, play some Skinner, man. Why aren't you doing Minecraft? Um, Diego, good friend of the show, Diego, has only been officially, to our knowledge, deported from the United States once, but the other times we can't tell you about. Um, Nick Marota was here. Retro Innovations has been here. James Jones has been here. Tim Franklin. Avril Bess was here. Coco Man was here. Retro Innovations was here. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Nick Marota was probably here. And on the panel still, we have, not with an uh, apple in the background, Mark D. Overholzer, who is currently at his daughter's wedding. Not his sister. Not his aunt. Not his cousin. Not his neighbor. But his daughter's wedding. Um, and, and despite that, he joined the show earlier. We had somebody who said, Hey, I just had open heart surgery and you know, the stitches haven't even healed, but I'm sitting here watching Coco talk. So we've got some dedicated people here. We appreciate that from sunny Arizona. Rondelvo has been here. Hello. Um, uh, as seen at Penfest, as seen at Korg's con, as seen at Hamvention Coco Fest, and often seen evading law enforcement. Jason, the Coco Man Reichert, creator of the Switcheroo, has been here. Um, Mr. James Diffendaffer has been here, the guy who's made my head explode on more than one occasion. Uh, thank you, James, for all that you do. Uh, Greg is here. Hey, Greg. Grant Leedy. Um, and uh, Al Hartman is here uh, from down under. Nick Morentes is here. 
And <laughs> Retro Innovation says, or at least as the rest of the world puts it, uh, lots of people with no life, right? So <laughs> Legendary video game designer Rick Adams. Thank you. You're too kind. Yes, thank you. Uh, uh, resident Canadian Bruce Moore, the father of Jacob Moore, is here with us. Uh, Coco Forever guy. Yeah. Uh, and this episode of Coco Talk features 30% more Bruce Moore promotions. So. <laughs> more and more. More and more. It's so, a law firm. More and more. More and more. <laughs> <laughs> and so, yeah, earlier uh, Jim was saying, isn't Abe Vigoda dead? Um, well, listen, that's never stopped a lot of people before. So, yeah, we're hoping that Abe Vigoda is going to make an appearance at Tandy Assembly. Uh, maybe it'll be a hologram. Uh, projection and astral projection some type of projection but um uh so this episode became the abe vagoda episode so we're going to begin phase one of the coco talk outro tim franklin says have a great week so we're not leaving just yet tim this isn't the this isn't the end this is just the beginning of the end but this train wreck isn't over yet so hold on for phase one of the outro here we'll be back in about two Here's minutes five. Phase this concludes another episode <laughs> of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, Bruce Moore. even segments more Bruce Moore. email to cocotalk <laughs> at cocotalk.live. If 35 you love the color computer now. like we do, then visit imacoconut.com <laughs> for all your color computer links needs. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, visit the Patreon link on our site at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk would not exist without the community David and its Ladd. past and crew. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Morenti, 38% Bruce Moore Rick now. Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Karen Anscombe, Simon Jonason, Wayne Campbell, Steve Batson, Brian Joyce, John Strong, and Barry Nelson. Special thanks to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and Brian Joyce for our best of episodes and bonus There's content. Greg. Please help support the Coco community by visiting some of its contributors. The Coco Crew podcast at cococrew.org. Glenside Color Computer Club, host of Coco Fest at glensideccc.com. Jim Brain and Retro Innovations Linda at Pedraza go right number there. four, retro.com. Mark Assembly.com. Boyson Technologies at B-O-Y-S-O-N Tech. Mikey! Get your own switcheroo at CocoMan.biz. <laughs> he says Rip. Technologies <laughs> at Cloud, the number nine, Tech.com. Coco Talk is hosted by Steve Strobridge. Co-hosts, technical directors, segment There's hosts and producers. Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Grant Leedy, Mark Overholzer, yeah! Ron Delvo, and Jason Reichert. Production motivation, Steve Bjork. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Shalar. Mix master produced by D. Bruce Moore. Coco forever, people. And let's not forget a very special thank you to Roger Taylor for getting us on the Coco TV channel on Roku. Three muggeteers right there, huh? Hey, it's Tim playing Daggerath like that idiot in the book. William, the lost wizard. All right, well, that concludes phase one. And uh, so Jim Brain says, rip Grant. <laughs> when did we lose Grant? <laughs> now that he's gone, I almost miss Grant and his eccentric nature. 
Where did where did Grant go? When did they, and there's this week's episode of Where Did Grant Go? Yes, he, he's off to Wendy's to get one of those frosties. No, nope, yeah. I'm here. Yeah. Oh, you're it's, back from Wendy's. How was good. your frosty? Ooh, frosty was awesome. Is this like Where in the World is Grant Leedy now? Is this a new uh, adventure series? <laughs> Roundel Vos giving us all motion sickness there with his uh, far from steady cam. <laughs> he says Grant Delvo and the Queasy Cam. The Queasy. <laughs> Here we go. Flush that. That's from the ribs. Next, he's going to be grabbing the camera. Okay. So that means we can we can expense uh, on our accounts uh, Steadicam. Steady Cam. Yep, yep. And in the meantime, if you need Dramamine and other type of sickness, and you know. Alka-Seltzer and uh, what's that pink stuff, Pepto-Bismol, whatever you need there. <laughs> Jason's moving back and forth. We're getting seasick there, Jason. <laughs> Trying to get my sea legs here. Yeah. <laughs> oh. All right. So we have, we now have actually officially broken the three-hour mark. So this is an average-length episode of Coco Talk. This is not a shorty. It's not a longy. This is average. Uh, SCTV in 3D. Uh, that was a good show. That was a good series. Second City Television. All right. Well, we are now going to do the post-closing part here. Oh, what is? What are you? What are you? <laughs> this is the balloons. simulated 3D. Oh, 3D. There's clowns and balloons coming at you. All right. So, Greg, you're Greg. The the uh, rumors of your demise are are exaggerated. Is that fake news, Greg? Grant Lady, you still among the living? Yes, I am. What All was right. the question? Uh, well, I guess Nick, um, um, Retro Innovations, for whatever reason, thought you were deceased. So, um. Well, Greg, he's dead. Greg. Uh, that's okay, Abe Greg. Vigoda, not Greg. Abe Vigoda. So it's Abe Vigoda. It's not, it's not Grant. Grant's still with us. Grant is not a hologram. He's a real person. <laughs> nope, I'm still alive and kicking. All right. There we go. All right. Well, let's do some post-closing uh, bonus content here. Or not. Maybe. Black screen of death. Yeah. We'll do it live. What the hell's going this on This is a here? professional show. We're back. <laughs> David Ladd, Grant Leedy. What the Mark hell just happened there? Ron Delvo and Jason yeah. Reichert. Production motivation, Steve Bjork. The Coco Talk that was theme song is copyright up. 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Shalar. Mix, mastered, and produced 40, by D. We're at the Bruce 48% Bruce Moore right now. And let's not forget a very <laughs> special thank you to Roger Taylor for getting us on the Coco TV channel. On It's Rocky. like deja vu all over again. Or the Matrix. <laughs> There's a glitz in the matrix. There is. There's Tim again. <laughs> Nick Morota says, like a fine oiled machine. Yes. There we go. With 48% more Bruce Moore this, this episode. Is Antonio Jimenez, author of such projects such as the TV Throw Devil and the SD Pack. And you are watching Coco Talk. In three, two, go. <laughs> I'm buying you making face. Okay. <laughs> you, you You're rolling, Curtis. You say whatever the hell you want to say. Well, give me some kind of guideline. Um, hi, this is Curtis Boyle. Hey, this is Eric, and you're listening to Coco Talk. All right, we're rolling. You say whatever you want to say, David. <laughs> David laughs. <Lack. laughs> <laughs> 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 Nation, world, sweetie. 
weekly any computer. I think Mark needs a few more pens on his shirt there. Alright, I'm soon playing dagger with like that idiot from the book. <laughs> You're watching Coco Talk. I love that one. Thank you, David Lad. Now get back up there for one second. Oh jeez. Come on. What? What, what, what? Let's get some dry wire, TTL, no, ESP. No, we don't need any dry wire or TTL. <laughs> Hi, it's Chris Boyle, part of the uh, Coco Tech crew of people. Hi, we're on Elbow Timberman. I guess I'll to uh, experience Coco Fest. You must come. I brought the only working MC10. I could not get I could not get it. Couldn't Ah. By certain someone you know. The world's leading weekly Coco Talk Show. Yeah, something like that. Hi, this is Rick Adams, and I'm the author of uh, Temple of Brom, Shanghai, and now Bomb Threat, and you're listening to Stephen Stroh on Coco Talk. Eight slot MPI, you know, floppy drive, Coco SDC, um, sound speech pack, orchestra 90, RS232 pack, modem pack, uh, super IDE. You start adding all those together if you want them all usable at the same time well guess what you just went over the four slot mpi there we go and we don't want to punch a hole in space time continuum by going over the four slot mpi oh so so we did get a final troll here from retro innovations he goes can we get a kickstarter and find a real host with good production capabilities <laughs> so, so we will work on that but to give a plug to retro innovations if you do need to go over this four plot four plot four slot mpi you can get yourself an eight port expander that can daisy chain into a 16 port expander and so on and so on so um and yeah nick marota says i love that er poster where uh, the one that uh, grants in front of where it's supposed to say the greatest live talk show on earth and i forgot the t so it just says er e-a-r-h <laughs> greatest show on er and, and unless there's a planet called Ur, nobody can sue me for a false claim there. So um. <laughs> This production, this hat, brought to you by Retro Innovations. Yes, Retro Innovations, yes. Oh, John Linville says, hey, sorry, but I'm busy with my own stuff. Yes. Um, John, we did plug the Tandy Assembly Stuart Chaffee official announcement release, and we did run a Coco Crew block of... Uh, of material that's r for pirate talk right er r is like a mentally challenged talk er um all right well we're gonna i believe we've beat this one to death so let's all say goodbye to nick marota goodbye nick marota goodbye nick marota goodbye nick. Goodbye, nick. all right so we're about ready nick, to flush nick, this nick, nick. yeah all right, the, the finish the paperwork. We're putting this show out of its misery. We've beat it to death. Three hours and eight minutes. Thank you all for being here in the live stream. And we'll see you some other time in the future. Take care, guys, and bye-bye now. <laughs>